Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 60, the Punchboarders talk about some recent plays, do a mega review of Age of Steam, Steam, and Railways, and finally draft our favorite games from the year 2015. Hey, everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. No, I'm Richie. And this is Dan again. What? Uh, just Seriously? It's Dan. <laughs> Woo! I'm back. Woo! I feel like my seat is official here. Can I, can I officially have a seat here? Sure. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That doesn't, I, I don't feel it. I don't feel... <laughs> well, I mean, you are over here every time I come over here. Uh, yeah, Dan he is here. Just told me, he actually told me a story about how Dan went up to bed last weekend and he stayed here till about 5 o'clock in the morning. So Allegedly. Actually, I was down here. I kept doing my Punchboard Paradise intro, hoping that Clef would let me do it. I woke the whole family up. It wasn't good, but I didn't get it. It was a good audition. But thanks for having me back. Uh, I, apparently, I only come when you guys are either hard-pressed or it's last minute. So I know that I'm, I'm important to you guys. True. Yeah. The best decisions are made last minute, right? Yeah. yeah. We all said, should we have Dan on? Yeah. yeah. What the heck? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> Very heartfelt. I see it's here. <laughs> Richie, I noticed on social media that you finished your deck and your wife even gave you some props for that. Oh, well, she should. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> here's a, just a, a word of advice to anyone whose significant other is trying to push for a DIY project. You first got to make sure that they can bench press their own body weight at least. <laughs> that's, a, that's a requirement. Otherwise, you're going to be doing all of the heavy lifting. 800 pavers I had to wow. take from the front yard to the backyard. Wow. Yeah, but think of all the character that you built while you were building that. Zero character built. Oh, wow. Okay. No. I, I would say, and last time I was here... Just a, a result of being out in the sun and playing a lot of Age of Steam lately. I've been a little bit more aggressive, and I was interrogating. Uh, yeah, I was interrogating Clef's children on who ate my ice cream sandwich. <laughs> right on this who I left true. behind. Right. I had, <laughs> it was for, <laughs> for, our, for our listeners. I uh, I had brought Richie his ice cream for winning the little quiz that we had at, at the end of one of a recent podcasts, and we don't have a freezer down here. And so I took it upstairs and said, don't forget it. Don't forget it. But he forgot, I, I forgot it. it. And, and then I went said, looking for it. Where's my ice cream sandwich? And now that I'm thinking about it, really, I should also be asking Clef. Uh, let, let's be honest. I <laughs> yeah. ate the ice cream. I ate the ice cream sandwich. Okay. I knew it. He wasn't I honest. Knew it. He wasn't honest the other day, though. He's like, up, oh, yeah, well, yeah, Did you see Richie the other day? I was a little worried. <laughs> hey, you left your son just uh, sitting there stammering. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's done now. So then we can enjoy the backyard again, even though it's going to be like 110 degrees this weekend. Oh God, but whatever. It's awful. So Ugh. it's. So does that, yeah, does that mean you haven't been playing any board games? Not many, not many board games. It took us forty-four days, and in those forty-four days, I've played two games with my wife. Oh, wow! And Gosh. they're both very light. Uh, but I'll talk about the the latest one that we played, and that's the Mind Extreme. So one of Clef's favorite games, the Mind. Ooh. This is the the spinoff. Oh, it's going to get extreme here. All right, <laughs> <laughs> and it is. I mean, it is kind of extreme. So the Mind is already hard enough, I would say, but. They made it a little bit harder. So instead of now, because the, the original deck went from 1 to 100, right? So now it, there are two decks in the box. They go from 1 to 50. One is white, one is red. And you'll mix those together like normal. 
pass it out. So it's the first round. You only get one card and you're, you're laying those down. But the red deck has to go descending on the you, you have to still keep them separate. So the red deck has to go descending on the right side of the scorecard and the white deck is normal. So it's going to it will ascend on the left side, but it's the, still the same rule. So you can't talk. I mean, you can say stop. That's the only thing that you can say in the mind is say stop just to try to get people to, to slow down and try to reconnect uh, and, and play correctly. And then as you start going through the, the rounds, I believe it's starting in round three, it will, one of the sides will have to be played blind. What? Yeah. So I think it's round three that the red side, so the side going down from 50, has to be played blind while you're still playing the other side normal. And I believe there is one round where both sides are played blind. So other than that, the same rules apply. So there's still, you have a certain amount of lives depending on how many people are playing. You have the throwing stars that you can, if everyone agrees, they can uh, pick a card that they want to reveal as either their highest red or their lowest white that they'll reveal. And that's it. it. Other than that, it's the mind. We didn't win. Uh, we've played two-player. It's 12 rounds, just like normal. And we got to round nine, I believe. Oh, wow. And then it fell apart. Richie, are you in the, it's an experience or it's a game camp? I mean, it's a game. It's, it's a deck of cards and you're, but you can win. There's Is there skill? I mean, do you, because you, you get better at it, but is that better because of experience with the same person? I mean, it's definitely, you get better with your group. So I would say, and we don't do much, like, there's no... I, I believe like body Clef, language. Yeah, or, we don't. Yeah. We, we, I think Clef does a lot of cheating. Right, no, when Clef he plays, and right? Dan do this whole yeah. like high low thing with their hands. There is nothing hey. that negates what we do. Yeah. <laughs> I would just like to formally state that we did yeah. beat it, though. We did. We did. Yeah. There's. So, yeah, well, it's a game. So, okay, it's so game. you guys sit at each other and you just stare into each other lovingly right into their eyes. Yeah. And that's all that's you do. That's what we do. You don't hold a card and kind of inch forward with the card a little bit? Well, we yeah, we'll do that. So, like, if, if you both have a card, okay. like, I'll start inching and you kind of, you just kind of stare down the person until one of you breaks and, and just commits. But there's two decks. So, do they know that you're kind of moving to the left deck as opposed to the right deck? Yeah, that. And with two players, that, like, the first few levels are pretty easy because if yeah. all I have is a red card, right. it's really easy for me just to start inching towards the other way and if yeah. she's not reacting, I can just play there. But I would imagine once you start playing, like if you play with four players and because it's it's all simultaneous still. So if people start playing on the red and you're not paying attention because you're playing on the white and also you look over. Right. So it, I think it's definitely going to be tougher with more players. I just, I mean, to me, it's a it's a one night experience. You bring it out with people who've never heard of it or even heard of our types of games. They play it the first time. They don't know what they're doing. The experience is begins and ends in one night for me, and then I kind of fizzle out on it. But I mean, to me, this just seems like a nice little variation, maybe a little bit more complex, and maybe some people want that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure someone wants it. My <laughs> wife, my wife does. That's why I own it. Oh, so there you go. Yeah. There, you go. there you go. That was actually a really interesting. Speaking of experiences, that was a really interesting experience for me just now because have you ever seen those nature those nature videos where you see owls and they're like actually sleeping but with that eyelid open like they have that clear oh, covering? Oh, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, and 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 actually that's the first time I've ever seen Clef. You saw it on Clef. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. He did the sideways <laughs> blinking and everything of an owl. It's really scary. His head almost went all the way around too, but he. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> what about you, Dan? What have you been playing? Uh, well, I have not been doing any building. Um, I have been avoiding the outside, unless Smart I'm man. delivering mail for the United States Postal Service. Uh, I do avoid 
outside as much as possible. I have been doing this weird phase in my gaming life where I am trending more towards heavier stuff, no longer being satiated by the midway Euro. And so I've just been kind of dabbling in this heavier stuff. And one of our uh, gaming group friends, he has been slowly integrating us into the coin series, uh, counterinsurgency series. This was completely foreign to me. And uh, a couple weeks ago during our game night, he brought uh, Cuba Libre, which is uh, one of the coin series. And again, this was something I was completely foreign to me. I didn't know anything about it. And I'm in love. Well, let's let's be fair and say that your number one game is sort of a precursor to it the is. coin ser series almost. I don't want to say precursor in terms of timeline, but it's sort of inching people towards that yeah. genre. I've been saying this for the past week. It, they share the same genealogy. Obviously, Root was inspired by the coin series. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Cuba Libre, it came out in 2013. Uh, GMT Games did it. Uh, it was designed by Jeff Grossman, but the overall design of the coin series it's volco Runkey. but ultimately what the coin series is is it is a asymmetric area control kind of uh i don't want to say war but there is war aspects to it but the big thing is asymmetric you usually have four different factions and they are going to be vastly different in how they play again think root and they all have different goals of what they're trying to do it. These games, the coin series, they are heavily driven with a card deck that you play from. And so you flip a card, that's going to determine turn order, that's going to determine a potential event. Uh, it allows uh, you to determine like what kind of actions you want to do. But the amazing part of these games is how these factions differ from each other, but also can potentially have like a symbiotic relationship. And uh, Cuba Libre is, I mean, obviously I'm a newbie in this whole genre, but this was my first foray into it and I was just blown away. Just a real quick synopsis of this one. So it's, it's set in Cuba and uh, it has to deal with Fidel Castro when he was attempting to take over Cuba. Uh, I think it was in the 60s, 70s, 50s. I don't know. It was It's a, some date that happened prior to now. How about that? Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, he's one of the factions. So he starts in a corner of the board, and he is trying to basically have people not support the main government. Of course, you have, counter contradicting them, you have the main government. They're trying to overthrow this insurgency. They're corrupt, but they're also trying to take over the board. You also have this like rebel insurgency, which is kind of like Fidel Castro's, but they're more farmers and basically everyone else that was against Fidel Castro, but also against the government. And then finally, you have the U.S. who is trying to keep this beautiful oasis where they can have casinos and use the corrupt government to their advantage and make money. And you have these four factions that are vying against each other, all doing different actions, but at the same time trying to get to the ultimate goal of achieving their victory condition. And uh, you get an amazing game. Now, we played it one time. I, we forced Clef to play it. He was impartial. He's he's giving me a, uh, he doesn't know. He's he's weighing it. Well, yeah. give me, I'm going to talk about it here in a minute. I just, Let's... It, the, the ultimate thing for me is this is like, <laughs> I've hit the tip of the iceberg, and I feel like there is a huge looming monster underneath the water that I want to get. I mean, you see this game I have right next to me. I've already bought another one without even fully diving into Cuba Libre. So I, I loved it, but I mean, I know, Chad, you even talked about you were interested in this series before we even started playing it. Right. I would have I would have delved uh, as hard as you are, but I, 
I, I had nobody to play this with. Yeah. I, I had Richie, but I felt like I, I don't have your power over Clef. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and so I didn't think that I could get it to the table. I, I just Clef's never. shaking his head, but uh, I me wrong, and you Richie? could not get, get right. you to play Root. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Dan has gotten you to play it seven times. Yeah. Okay. So can we not talk about root? Let's let's well, talk we about could. We, we could, could talk, talk about, about root, root right here. I'm just saying that that Dan has power over you that uh, that I do not, and so I didn't delve into that. But I've been interested in Pendragon. You have Gandhi sitting over there, which I was fascinated by. Yeah. Um, I played a distant plane on oh, wow. on uh, tabletop simulator with um, one of our friends, Joe Farrell, so uh, and Jake, and that was that was really fascinating too. So we played that three-player, and the interesting thing is if you played one faction, you had to play, if you played it three-player, one person had to be two factions, which right. which kind of work together, but oh, are, are antagonistic at the okay. same time. And so you have two different win conditions as that one player. Wow. And it's just kind of, it blows your mind a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, talking about how I was evolving in my game taste, I think I'm, you know, obviously there is war and there's clashing that's going on, but I like where... You know, we're all up in each other's business. I like, you know, I mean, it's fun to have your Euros where you're building your village and you're just trying to be the most, you know, prosperous and do all this stuff and you don't really tear other people down. But something about looking at, you know, Clef's eyes or staring down Richie and saying, you know what, Richie, I am going to come right at you. I'm going to invade you. I'm going to destroy your pieces. I haven't felt that in a lot of my Euros ever before, honestly. And it's a new market for me to really enjoy. And I honestly, I'm I'm scared but excited to, because I think this is like a whole new avenue of games that I'm going to go into. So, I, I mean, it obviously is why I love Root because Root is so in your face. I will say, for those who are interested, I do think Root has streamlined it better. Root is a faster-paced version of it. Um, Cole Worley did an amazing job with the player boards and just... He used the system, but he was inspired to make a brand new game. But I still think the coin games are amazing. From what I can understand, it's kind of what Cole does really well. Like, well, that's the PAX games, too. You know, PAX, oh, yeah. PAX Premier. Clef, uh, let me let me have it. You, you played oh, it. Okay, okay. Let me hear it. Well, first of all, okay, I wanted to try a coin game. There was never a moment where I said, I'm not going to play a coin game. So stop talking about this power Dan has over me. I, just, I wanted to try this, yeah. okay? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I just, he I does bring, have. I won't bring the magic flute anymore and just have him. You know, he's like my little rattlesnake. I mean, I guess like when we play the mind and look in each other's eyes, you know. I mean, I guess that does have a little power. Yeah, exactly. Game, but yeah, all right, all right. That's what I thought. But in all honesty, I really wanted to try this. And first of all, I will say this: the thing that I am the most fascinated with about, besides, I love history a lot. So I like the fact, um, you know, I I would know when Fidel Castro took over Cuba. Okay, I what year was it? I'm asking so, you right now. What was the exact year? Yeah, I want to know. 1956 or 7 would be wow, my guess. Wow, okay, all that, right. That would be right around the time. That's so pretty good. I mean, yeah, certainly I, I, you would know it would be before the 60s because if you knew the Bay of Pigs, you would know that it was before 1960. Uh, we roasted Kennedy. Pigs, and, uh, okay. No. Yeah, all right, moving on. Okay, so anyway, so good history, but they have a system that I really found it interesting when you flip over, and it's it's card-based, so when you flip over a card, it'll have all four factions on the top of this card, right. and they'll each, like, each card will have a different, you know, uh, order that these are in. So if you're the first on the card, you will have first option of what action you want to take, and you'll have a the first option, which is basically take a basic action, but nothing else. You have the second one that says take a basic action and 
take a better action with it. Yeah, like a and special then, action. A special action. And then the third one will say, take use the event, you know, because usually if you're first on the event card, it's usually pretty good for you. Right. Or certainly you don't want somebody else to, or, you know, one way or the other. It's You want to kind of use that event. So, but then the next person who then, after you choose one of those three actions, they have to follow you in the same section that you row that you went to so if you take a basic like simple action then all they get to do is take a basic simple action they cannot do anything with the event but if you take the better actions then they would have an opportunity where they could come and do the event or if you took the event they get to come in and take the basically the double action you know it, it creates a lot of interactivity because not only are you focusing on what's going on in the map you're saying, what is my opponent going to do? What's going right. to benefit them? It's just it's layer upon layer just right. on the action selection. Uh, and that's that card. And then you might look at the next card and all of a sudden realize that next card is even more powerful. So then you have an option where you can simply just pass. And if you pass, your pawn is still like in play for the next card. But if you take an action, your pawn is out of play for the next card. And I thought this system was just genius. I mean, I thought amazing. I really, really liked it. As for the game itself, I, it's good. I see the merit. I don't know. I need to play it again. I mean, for one thing, I was I think I was sleeping through half of Brent's teach of the game. It was a long teach. It was, it was. a long teach. It's, 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 it's hard. Once again, you're teaching four different factions. But I definitely would like to try it again. Um I, I cannot say yet whether I I like it or I love it. I think, you know, I mean, I, I don't know yet. I think I'm just in that kind of half and half, and I want to play it more times. So, uh, you know, similar to where Root, obviously, was has kind of gone through a love-hate relationship. with. Well, wow. no, let's not go with love. Oh, love. I've had a oh, hate-okay relationship with Root. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, you know, uh, Gandhi sounds interesting to me. I'm looking forward to that. Um, okay. You know, I mean, I would like to explore it a little bit more myself. I mean, wow. just just real quick, Clef. I mean, expounding upon my initial statement, because we've talked I've talked about with, the, with you about my feelings about how midweight euros are just no longer beginning to scratch the itch. We have the great ones that we love. We have our castles of burgundies and stuff like that. But the other ones that are just... We've talked about this. Games need to be great. Good games no longer cut it for me. And I think that this is just maybe a different type of game that I haven't done before. And maybe just the fact that it's a different type of game is what's intriguing to me enough. Well, I think also after a while, midweight euros tend to run together. And especially when we have such a glut on the market of that style of game, you know, that's going to happen. So I, I, I think it's great. And one of the reasons we are doing the podcast is so that we can talk about games and usually we want to talk about new games. So yeah, I'm all in. Sounds great. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just to wrap it up. I mean, th- this is a type of game that, you know, a year ago, definitely two or three years ago, I would even thought I would ever have played this game. So I think it's important for people to keep your you know perspective open and be willing to try stuff and uh, kind of step out of your comfort zone, but um, not with Root. I think if you like Root, you like it. And if you don't like it, then you should probably just try it again. <laughs> God knows I have. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. So let's go from a uh, very uh, heavy uh, coin game to uh, Chad. I heard you want to talk about some uh, Marvel something or other. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to go take a nap again. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, like Richie, I've, I haven't gotten much played lately that, 
that hasn't been uh, Martin Wallace related. So uh, I played a solo game with a new deck of Doctor Strange in the Marvel Champions game, and um, he's he's an interesting he's an interesting faction to play with. He's he's fairly uh, he's fairly powerful actually, just because he has a special five card invocation deck, which has to be manipulated to do certain powers in the game. He doesn't do very well with minions, so if you're going to build a deck around him, you have to have some allies in the deck that can fight off minions in the uh, in the villain deck. And you've heard me talk uh, a lot about Marvel Champions on the podcast before if you're, if you're a listener, so I won't go into essentially how it plays, but I, I found it to be a very interesting deck. Doctor Strange is one of my favorite movies anyway of, of the Marvel the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so uh, he he's definitely worth a look if you're if you're playing Marvel Champions and as a solo game, I found it fun to be manipulating. Chad, I, I'm interested. Do you is this one of those games where you're more interested in talking about the game, setting up the game, buying stuff for the game, and then once you play it, you're almost kind of looking forward to the next one? Because I feel like it's one of those like. It could become a, I don't know what they call it, where like with Magic, it's just a lifestyle game where the the acquiring of cards and the trading of cards and the building of your decks is almost as equally as exciting as actually playing the game. I, it could be. I'll liken it, to, I'll liken it to your recent Age of Steam map obsession. Yeah. Right? So the, the fascination is, yes, acquiring those maps, but then seeing how each one plays. Yeah. And seeing if you can maximize your play of it. So it's the same thing. I honestly care more about the character decks than I do about the villain scenario decks that you're fighting against. Meaning, I really want to see how each uh, specific hero deck works and manipulating that. And then even in a, in maybe two-player games, seeing what the best mix of of characters is together so yes i i want to get them but it's just like i want to get them to play them okay so it's not because because it feels like it's because it's a lighter game i mean it's it's certainly a a lighter fair game but i feel like this is a game where the first time you play it it's not going to be the best experience it's the repeated plays the seeing the combos the the building of your decks where the game actually becomes more engaging the more you play it which is usually the opposite for us when we play our Euro games. Right. Well, I mean, yes, the more you play, the more adept you feel. And then Marvel is putting out repeated decks for course, that for that course. audience too, yep. right? Yep. I mean, they're putting out decks that people will buy to yeah. say, Oh, now you know you think you know how to play the game. Yeah, this as soon way. as you get comfortable with it, boom, let's add some new heroes and villains. Yeah. Right. That's that's kind of the way it's meant to be played. And and the other reason is it's a solo game that I can play in like 15, 20 minutes. So it is a really easy thing to play at the end of the night quick you know and i enjoy that i enjoy that puzzle i don't play a lot of solo games but this is one because it's just cards and it's so simple okay Ooh. well uh i'm i sorry i wasn't listening i was buying an age of steam map so. <laughs> <laughs> all right clef i guess i have to ask you what you've been playing well i i, I think uh dan covered pretty much what i'd been playing yeah no actually we did get another game in. we got in power grid <gasps> yeah oh mm. with the stock market Oh mm. man, that was a big letdown. <laughs> that was a big letdown. Uh, so, anyways, real quick, I'll I'll hit on this. Uh, so, I'm sure most of you are familiar with Power Grid, and you know, basically, you're auctioning off power plants, and you're trying to run cities, and you know, person who can power the most cities is the winner. Um, but one of the great parts about Power Grid is you know the player order, where you know, obviously, going first is advantage in some places, and obviously, you want to win the game. But yet, going last also is a good advantage, and so it's kind of the give and take of that. Well, with the stock, uh, the stock companies is what it's, what it's called. 
you basically start the game and everybody chooses a color for a stock. And in a, we played a four player game. So there was one of the colors that was out. Yeah. There's six companies six, potentially. To yeah. Use. But we only use five of them. Yeah. And so each of us picked us. So the first person, they just flat out picked the most expensive one, which is the one that started off at $40. And then the next two people both picked the $30 ones. And then the last person picked the $20 one. Yeah, that was me. And it was very, it just felt very scripted. Like there wasn't a lot of thought process like there is in Power Grid of, okay, how much do I want to build? Because you're using, you know, it's a typical stock game where you're buying stock you put your money from your personal into the company. Then when you get into the rounds, you're using your company money to build or to bid for the power, uh, power plants. And then you're bidding or, and then you're building the buildings, but there was no turn manipulation in the game. It was all just based upon who had the highest level in stock. And as long as you paid out every round, the person who started off at 40 every single time moved up Ooh. not saying necessarily that that just automated made them the winner because in fact uh that was our friend brent who had the 40 and he i think he came in last if yeah. i'm not mistaken but it still felt very scripted and very like not power grid it, it just did not it didn't work that is a game that the stocks and believe me i love stock market games but that did not work yeah i so Friedman Fries, the designer of Power Grid and this expansion, he even said when he was designing his monstrosity of a game 504, the ninth module in that series that he did was stocks. And he was so inspired by that, he decided to actually make it a full-fledged expansion for Power Grid. That's how he came up with this. And so I feel like it was kind of just slapping this onto Power Grid because in my mind, Power Grid is a 10. It's a perfect game for what it is. I've loved it my whole life. I didn't think it needed an expansion, but when this came out, of course, I was intrigued and wanted to know what it was, but it, it felt like, you know, we even mentioned when we were playing it, you know, like in an 18xx game, stocks is the core of the game. That's the whole thing. The, you know, ancillary side part is the building of the tracks. And that's important too, but the whole thing is getting the shares. You're trying to increase the stock value of your shares. This is the same thing. You're getting shares, you're buying stock in these companies. The side thing happens to be building power grid networks and you're doing it up that way. So it, it actually, in my mind, devalued the core game of power grid. It actually detracted from what makes power grid so good. The ebb and flow of turn order, the the manipulation of resources, the blocking people out across the board. It wasn't as exciting. And then as Clef mentioned, as the stocks were being purchased and everything was going up, there wasn't a lot of volatility. I mean, you could sell stocks to manipulate it a little, but it just wasn't as volatile enough. It wasn't, you know, going up and down, back and forth. I think most of our stocks stayed in the order of value that they were from the beginning of the game to the end. So it just, I feel like it was half thought out and kind of just forced. I, I honestly wonder if there was maybe a little pressure of him to put this out. And so it just, it was unfortunate. I mean, it was my copy and we had wanted to play it for years, but it just, it kind of broke my heart that this expansion for this game that I love just kind of fell flat. Yeah. And it's, uh, unfortunately one of those that I'd never play it again. It just was that mm, yeah. souring of a game and I wouldn't recommend it for anybody to play because I think it absolutely, Rex 
power grid, which is, like you said, such a perfect game for what it is. Yeah. And, yeah. So with the turn order, there's no way to really manipulate it outside of just not paying out? Is that kind of Well, what and you, you don't want to because obviously... Right, in, it's not beneficial. Uh, because in this... When you're first, you actually get to purchase resources first. Yeah, turn order, okay. turn order yeah. is assessed the yeah. same way it is in original Power Grid. It's basically who has the most power plants or mm -hmm. cities built. But uh, the order of way you purchase resources and build usually flip-flops in base Power Grid. For some reason in the stock companies, it's just first to last every time. So whomever mm -hmm. is in first always had the best advantage for building their cities and uh, buying their uh, resources for the power plant. So it just, it fell very flat, very boring, very stagnant. And just, it was very unfortunate because I, I wanted it to be more than it was. So anyway, so that was Power Grid, the stock companies. All right, fellows. Well, I think uh, it's time we get to our mega review of the Steam system, essentially. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give everybody a basic overview of the entire system that is kind of in between Age of Steam, Steam, and, and Railways. So it's a pickup and deliver game. The object of it is you are going to be getting money by some shares or bonds or something like that, and then you are going to be using that money to build track on a map. The map will have different terrain that will cost different amounts of money. Uh, you are going to be building it between cities, and these cities are all going to be different colors, and there's going to be different those, those color type of cubes out on the board, and you're going to be looking to move certain colored cubes from one city to another city that is that type of cube. So, for instance, if I have a blue cube on one city, I would move it over my train or my track that I laid to be delivered to another, uh, a blue city. And that would be considered what is called a link. I would then move up a certain income track for that, which then at the end of the round, I would make money from wherever I have moved up on the income track. And then there would be a certain number of expenses well, I should say that's the age of steam and steam. There's not really expenses in railways, but basically you're going to be paying for things. And and that's that's really it. The object of the game then is to score the most points. And yeah, that's really what I got. I don't want to go too deep into it. Uh, so I'm really thinking here we'll just kind of go through each point and we can kind of talk about each game kind of individually just real quick. So we're going to start off how we always do. And that is with art and components so somebody jump in what what's our first thought on the art and components for this game for these games i should say i gotta say and even though age of steam has a, a brand new deluxe version my favorite for art and components as a whole probably art age of steam deluxe but art and components as a whole it'd be steam I like the the different maps, the, the way that they're laid out. I like the track tiles are very nice, especially compared to the rest of them. And everything's functional. And plus you have the disc, the the nice upgraded disc, the upgraded, as Buck would say. Yes, yes, uh, definitely my up, the upgraded. Okay? Yeah, I mean, I, just, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, broken records here. I think that Age of Steam has some simplicity to it, which I think helps in maybe streamlining 
just the core game, which is what you want to get to, obviously, just the meat of it. Um, but I would agree. I think Steam has the prettiest maps. I love the components for it. To me, clear the best one of the three. I would mostly agree with you guys. I mean, uh, one thing that I really like about Steam is the double-sided tiles. You know, so when you grab a straight tile on the backside as a curve, that makes it a lot easier when you're going to build as opposed to Age of Steam where, you know, they're not on the backside, which is always kind of a pain. Um, does I think the, the deluxe one, Chad, it has them on either side, or did it stay that way? I can't remember. Uh, I, I honestly... I played so many of the different ones. I'm having I'm having trouble remembering. I mean, in the last week, you know, I played all three, and so I'm having trouble um, remembering. But I would definitely say, now this is, you know, not necessarily talking about the base game, but, I mean, Age of Steam, some of these maps that they have, oh, they're just beautiful. I mean, I got them on my wall over there. I'm not putting up a Steam map over on my wall. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to be talking about the expansions, especially, I mean, those are essentially fan-made expansions. Right. That's Alvin Viard, who loves the game, right. making those maps. Yes, I would agree that his maps are beautiful, especially the moon. Uh, your Egypt one is looks like it's missing something, but other than that... Can we not talk about my Egypt? <laughs> <laughs> Just because it's absolutely missing, oh, I don't know, the Nile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we're, if we're getting into that, then yes, I would say that Age of Steam has the, the best maps as far as beauty goes. All right, and then the real thing that, you know, and we've talked about this, but... Uh, for anybody wondering, certainly there's a big debate when we talk about components between the discs and the trains. And I suppose even the new version has the small wooden trains. I think we're all pretty much in the, the discs. Yeah, because we right? started with the trains and we yeah. were fine with it until we got, you know, ramshackled online. Yeah. Oh, I, I got, yeah, shellacked for sure. But then I noticed, and when you really do, you get a lot of those trains out there. And especially now when we're we're a lot more you know, intertwined and, you know, you use a lot more complex track, it can get really confusing with all those trains out there. The discs make it just a lot easier to be able to see. Here's the thing I will say. If you are using the plastic trains, yes, there is some playability issues on some of the maps you get to and some obfuscation of the tracks themselves. If you play with the newest version with the tiny trains instead of discs, the trains themselves are the same diameter as the discs. Now, technical here the exact same diameter in fact they made them that way for that purpose now do discs make it slightly easier because you're looking at circles instead of cut out little trains even if they're the same size sure is it something you need to worry about if you're going to get that game no all right well let's move on from uh, art and components because uh, that's certainly not really what this game is all about so let's just dive into this and let's just first of all what do you find the biggest differences are in this game, Chad, What between the three systems? So just from a really high level, I feel like Age of Steam is for people who like punishing games. It's very tight. You are having to make advanced calculations on your money every round, and it is not immediately obvious what you're going to do. And even like in the game that we played last week, you can make a calculation and come out wrong because of something that another player decided to do to you. They can they can observe what you're doing and make you trip over yourself doing it. So you can plan, but it, it's tough. It's tight. Uh, I feel like on the other side of the spectrum, you have railways of the world, railways of Nippon, whatever map you're playing on. And that system is still pick up and deliver, but because you get a lot of points for certain routes on each map, 
it sometimes feels like a little bit of a race game where you're racing to complete those certain routes, along with other things that you're doing, but it makes it into more of a race game, which to me makes new maps even more important for that game than some of the other ones. Because once you are kind of sure as to how you're going to get to those routes or to obtain those, and again, I haven't had tons and tons of plays of railways, but that's just what it feels like to me from a high level view. Okay, all right. And Steam, I mean, maybe somebody else can speak to Steam because I've I've gotten the least plays of Steam. I played, I played last week with you guys, and I played a couple times on the app, but I don't have near the the same feeling of Steam. I I definitely, I definitely see what the differences and and. And I, I spot some of the simil- similarities, but I mean, I just, <laughs> I just, um, I just don't know. Oh boy, there's some inside uh, little joke right there. I will, I will add that um, if we can actually, I don't know if we can do this, guys, but if we can go back to when we first learned Age of Steam, Chad, I know you were. We'll give you the credit. You were the one that initially brought us into it. But like Clef, when you and I initially learned it, there was a little bit of uh, a learning gap where like some of the edge cases didn't necessarily make sense we messed up on some of the initial rules like how many dice to use and i think that that barrier of entry at least in age of steam specifically uh could potentially scare some people off yes the difficulty level and the the punishing amount of it that certainly could be a deterrent as well but there were like some things that we were doing like and they were small rules errors but there were things that we were doing where you know taking over someone else's track or cutting them off or where you can place a track stuff like that i think could be a barrier of entry and that may just have to do with the fact that the game has three four different additions and rules have evolved over 20 some years i think that is something that now that we've played it 20 30 times we do overlook but i think that's an important thing to discuss because each yeah. game is different when you approach it from the very first time you play. Sure, sure. And I mean, and, you know, just for the listeners who maybe have never played any of these games, really the first thing that we're going to talk about that, that's different in these three games is in Age of Steam, you literally, to start the game, well, I should say every round, you have to decide how many shares you want to take out, so how much money that you will be able to use. And if you don't do this correctly, you literally can go bankrupt in Age of Steam. I mean, I don't want to say easily, but I mean, I've done it well, three times. Depending right? on the map. Yeah, right. depending on the map. I mean, you, you, you Dan had Boogit ice cream pretty it, quick right. last week. I was week. just yes. going to say, there was <laughs> yeah. there yes. was a rule that lasted about oh, yeah. about one turn that the person who goes bankrupt has to go get ice cream. All right. And what in happened with that? Person completely in reneged. my defense, what? I didn't know where my car keys were. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think no, he still no. has to. I think he still owes us ice cream. Yeah. He totally does. Mint right, totally Oreo. Yeah. Mint Oreo. This is, this is a thing, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, in Steam, and that we're, I'm gonna, when we're going to talk Steam right now, we're going to talk about the basic version. So the version that it that the, the rule book basically talks about through the first three-fourths of the game, not the advanced version. But in Steam, you can take a share whenever you want to. So it's not nearly as punishing. You could still go bankrupt in Steam, but it's going to be very tough. Almost impossible in the basic version. It's, It's not, you know, it can happen, right? Now, in Railways, you literally... It's impossible to go to bankrupt because you could just keep taking bond after bond after bond after bond. I mean, there's, you know, infinite number of bonds. There would be impossible to go bankrupt in railways. And in railways, same thing where 
Anytime you need money, you just take a bond. Now, when you played that game, though, with Corey for the first time, didn't he have trouble and feel like he was churning water because he took out too much at the beginning? Well, I'm not saying you can't still take out too much and be in bad shape, but I'm just saying you, you're you not in danger of having to go buy ice cream. Okay, it's just seem you are yeah. literally removed from the game and you are no longer in the game. Yeah. So one of the first one one of the things that's interesting to me about Age of Steam with that idea in mind, because you also are bidding for for player powers and stuff like that at, at the beginning of each round, which makes it fascinating apart from some of the other stuff. But one of the things that you must do is if each share in the base game is worth five dollars, and if you've ended up any of your turns with more than three dollars at the end of your round, you've screwed up. You have asked for too many shares basically and so it's it's kind of a it, it's kind of a you know a thin margin that you have to work there. yeah you certainly uh, I mean, especially early in the game you don't want to end up with necessarily too much money by taking too many shares you want to be very conservative because the other thing we haven't talked about in age of steam you take a share you don't pay it back uh, with the exception of maybe some, there was one map I think you could have paid back shares, but it was really tough anyways. But you don't pay those shares back, and each one of those shares you take at the end of the game is worth negative three points. So they're very, very devastating if you take too many shares. So yes, you want to be very careful. Where in Steam, you have an option to repay those shares. So you have, uh, the other big difference between Age of Steam and Steam is in Age of Steam, you always just are uh, going up the income track, where in Steam, you have an option of either moving up your income track, which is also your shares, or you can take victory points, which is obviously a very interesting aspect of the game because you are you have to make a decision at some point of when do you stop taking income and start taking victory points, right? Yes, and I, I would say that that on top of the production is another big difference with between age of steam and steam as far as how the goods make it onto the map and i guess that that's where my question is what do you think is actually better because in my opinion as far as the gameplay goes it goes age of steam is probably my favorite i understand why steam basic exists because it's if because obviously player elimination has almost been eliminated from most modern games so there's a lot of groups that do not like that harshness of it obviously around here like it sparked joy in my heart when dan went out turn one wow. of the last game wow that's a big cream but i get where other groups are not going to want to see that and then railways i don't know why you're here i guess that's that's where, as far as the gameplay yeah, that goes, that's going to be my question. Like, what, what kind of market was needed when that game was um, designed? I just I, don't understand what area they were trying to tap into. I think that that uh, Chad kind of hit it on the head. Where railways is more of a race type of game because you do get a lot of points and income from making big, uh, long routes that you develop between cities. And the other thing with railways is it. It has cards, which obviously Age of Steam and Steam do not have, that then will also do different cool type of things or whatever. The cards kind of take the place of the powers. You're going to get some different powers sometimes from the cards or different ways to score extra points from the cards. And those those provide some of the agency in the auction aside from the, the, rail, the, the rail building routes. I think, too, one of the big differences is 
your approach to what type of game you want. Obviously, this group right here in the recording room is certainly geared more towards heavier style, more confrontational, more punishing. But I think the casual gamer, if you could kind of go one step back, they have three different options. And I think that it's important to at least evaluate those because, you know, Richie kind of hinted at it a little. Steam exists for a reason. I mean, it is successful. People own this game. It is a popular game for a reason. Um, I think they're actually, it's pretty comparably rated against Age of Steam. I think they're within, you know, 10, 20 spaces. So I, I, I think that there is a market for it. But I, I think it's almost it, it almost becomes like an apple and oranges comparison between the two because the differences are so extreme that when you try to compare those two, it almost doesn't work. The games are so different and unique. And I actually feel that way about Railways, too. I think it's they're all three so varied. Well, they, they have a lot of the same system. I guess it's the feeling that they give you that's yeah. different, right? Sure. So, Absolutely. Uh, I, I would say, and, and we should mention really quick that Steam and Age of Steam were designed by Martin Wallace. Uh, th that's what the credit so, is yeah, on da, BGG, da, da. let's say. I'm not going to get into it. And then Glenn Drover uh, thanked Martin Wallace and designed railways off of hi railways of the dot, 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 off of his system, basically. So another aspect that I find we talked about, so we... And you know, we do have the goods growth thing that we certainly want to get into. But first, I want to hit the next thing, which is track building. Um, Age of Steam, you can build any track anywhere. Yep. Okay, there is no restriction. You can literally build it out in the middle of nowhere if you want to. You can obviously block opponents if you want to. You don't have to continue any type of links or anything. Steam, they made it a little bit less confrontational where you have to continue from your own uh, link or you know your own train. You have to continue on that, your own track. You cannot just go off and do it in the middle of nowhere. You could still strategically block other people, but it still has to come off of your... Well, your off of your own track or from right. a city. Yeah, a new Or city. from a city. Right. Okay, right. But still, yeah, it, it forces you to kind of... Everyone starts in their own little nest of an area, and that I think that was done intentionally. Right, just to make it a little bit more... I don't want to say fun, but just a little bit more easier to get going type of thing. You're not... Well, I, think, I mean, I think they definitely try to streamline the rules. Like there are like that little rule where because, yes, you can put your tile anywhere out in the middle of nowhere. But most of the time, you're not going to. You're going to be sure. putting it so that you're either cutting someone off and you're coming from a city. You're not just going to be putting random tiles down. So it's, it's that no. rule can go. You're going to severely part. waste a, a turn there if you're just trying to block somebody. Sure. And then. The, probably the biggest difference in railways is the moment you you actually get to build four track at all or have the option of building four track in railways but the moment you have a completed link in railways your turn is done you can't build anymore so if you happen to build between two cities that have one link or one track between them boom you play that one track that's your build for the for that action you can't build anymore so that's where railways is a little bit different uh, than the other one so the next thing we're going to hop into then, and Richie kind of touched on this a moment ago, is the way goods come out onto the board. And I'm specifically talking here in this part about between Age of Steam and Steam. In Age of Steam, there is a board that has numbers one through six that are white numbers, and then there's one through six that are black numbers. And they have a certain number of goods there. And each round, you're going to roll some dice. And it's randomly going to the dice are obviously random, but whatever dice gets rolled, that cube will go out to that particular city. Okay. In Steam, 
you actually have a whole row of different hexes that have three goods on them. And when you do either urbanization or goods growth, you will grab those three goods and you get to put them out in anywhere you want to, anywhere out on the map, right? So obviously should be beneficial for you, hopefully, is what you're trying to do when you do those those actions. So I think the a, a lot of people will say, what is better? Is there one that is better than the other? And Richie, I know you have an opinion on this. So which one do you think you like better? Uh, I mean, I definitely lean towards the steam production. It's I don't hate the age of steam production. It's just that I like the more tactical play. Because if you see what's out there and you also see what your opponents are going around and what they need, you can take one of those goods that you one of those piles of goods that you know they need and put it away from them. Put it where you actually need it and, and get there. Now obviously you may not be able to get there as quickly as possible or qu- or quicker than another player, but then that's also where as far as the differences between Age of Steam and Steam, where the actions are a little bit more balanced throughout Age of Steam, it's urbanization, loco are almost always taken one and two. Obviously, there are different maps that may change powers out there, but those are the two most important powers that you can get. And in Steam, yes, those are still powerful, but local you have to pay for. And urbanization is going to put you lower in the turn order. So now next turn, you are automatically going to be going last if you take urbanization. So for me, I just think that it's a little bit more tactical play, which I, I, I personally like tactical play uh, in games compared to Age of Steam, where Age of Steam, obviously, you can build your strategy around being in certain cities, but it is possible for you to get screwed by the dice. I would argue, though, that that's not going to lose the game for you, but it can definitely set you back or sure. it could you know, build someone up just because their number keeps getting hit. What, what about you, Dan? What, what's your thoughts on that? It's just it's interesting hearing Richie talk about it because. I went, I was, he basically changed my mind in just that argument right there. Um, Because here's here's the thing. You see all of the goods in Steam that are on the board. You know which goods can go out. You basically can dictate how you are going to play the game from the onset. You see, oh, wow, three yellows came out in that random drawing. And now if I wanted, I could put three yellows in any specific spot that I want. And I can basically control my own destiny in that. Or... I can deter somebody else from doing that. It's very fulfilling to know that you have the power to make that decision. And I like that. I like that part of the game where I'm not saying, gosh, I really just need a one to be rolled. And that's how sometimes I feel in Age of Steam. And I have said in games, man, this particular game, I got hosed by the dice rolls. And I, it doesn't ruin the game for me. But it certainly just makes me not appreciate the, the at least the system as much as I thought I would. Now, do the dice generally balance themselves out? Yes, they do. I don't think it's as luck-driven as maybe someone who just randomly rolls a dice would think it is. Um, over the course of you know the eight, nine rounds that you play, you almost always see almost all the goods being brought out. So I don't think it's as luck as maybe dice would initially appear. Um, Maybe it's just mental. It's something about saying I have 100% control in Steam, and then in Age of Steam, I don't have 100% control. And it really just comes down to how I feel about each each particular game. I think I I like them both, um, and I could probably argue for both of them, uh, but if I truly had to pick, I think I'd still lean towards Steam. If there's just some way we could just combine the two games, that's all I really want. <laughs> okay, you're both wrong. So, uh, 
the thing about when steam if let's say there was a hex that had you know two purple and a blue or something and i was building and you know i had some good purple and i was like okay i really need that and then i understand of course everybody right now can say well you could have taken the action but whatever happened to be and all of a sudden richie just comes and, and grabs those cubes and he puts them halfway across the board well now i'm screwed out of those goods completely i have no ability now to get you know more purple into where i'm at and so now my whole strategy well, has your strategy been ruined. is not to screw Richie. You find the uh, goods that he needs, and you do the exact okay. same thing to him. I understand. Okay, I'm just saying that it, that part bothers me in Steam, where in Age of Steam, if I look up there and there is in the white three, there is two purples and a blue, I know that in, in three, those have an opportunity to come out. They're not all of a sudden going to pop out into the the black four you know what i'm saying they're always they're going to if they come out and i'm not saying that they always do even since i would say out of my 40 games of age of steam usually 85 percent of the goods come out you know i mean even if somebody does production a couple of times most of the time most of the goods come out so i think it's very very rare now I won't. I will say it can make a big swing if early you get some better goods that come out to you. That can make a big swing early for exactly. sure. Exactly. I would but, just say it's just a question of prioritization. If if you can see that somebody might go after that before you would get to place it, then you have to consider taking that action more highly than somebody else is going to. Yeah, it's just what Richie said. In Age of Steam, there are two, maybe three actions that are extremely important, and production is not one of them. Whereas in Steam. That action, the goods growth action, bringing goods out, becomes a pivotal action that you're trying to take. And that's the difference. Very true. So now, a, a curious question, because obviously in base Steam, there is no auction. It is simply wherever you placed your, uh, you know, your piece the turn before turn makes that turn order what is our thoughts on the base steam and then what would be the advanced steam i mean is that do we think that one of those is better than the other well this is where i don't think i'm going to be able to convince dan over to my side but to me if you're going to play advanced a or advanced steam just play age of steam i mean unless you really are so i mean you can still go bankrupt in advanced age of steam you've seen that right uh we have seen one time somebody we, we go have, bankrupt has, in been, advanced yeah. age of it's steam been recorded, yes. okay so if that if that is still there then i personally would always play age of steam so i would have steam for like if i want to play with a group that does not like player elimination or doesn't want to worry about how many shares they're going to take out and age of steam is when i'm playing with you guys or you, you know people that are fairly familiar with the system or we're you know we're trying out a bunch of different maps because I I love the the age of Steam maps compared to to the Steam maps as far as the the variety there. But you just said you liked the goods growth better in Steam, so why not play an advanced version of Age of Steam where you get that and yet you still have the auctions that are so important in Age of Steam. Like I said, I don't mind the productions growth in Age of Steam. I do like the tactical play of this more but if i'm going to bust out steam it's going to just be basic when's the last time you played the advanced variant well i your statement of we should just play age of steam you could stop right there i don't need anything <laughs> else for further period i'll talk it so here's the thing it goes back to my statement of what experience are you trying to get 
So if you're going to play basic Steam, which is the basic rules, which to me is the farthest away of Age of Steam, you are doing that for a specific reason. You either have maybe less advanced players, younger players, or people, like Richie said, who don't want a you know, attention-filled experience. They want a more relaxed building track, delivering goods, having fun. With the advanced or the, the strategic Steam or whatever you want to call it, I feel like, just like Clef said, you get all the things that you like about steam you get the maps that you like you get the double-sided tiles you get the cool goods growth action that is not an age of steam but you have the auctions you have the potential at least somewhat of going bankrupt you get the feel of age of steam but you're still getting the steam idea the steam concept and is it making it too similar to age of steam yes yes uh, but, it, but I think you have to caveat that with terms of availability of maps, availability of just the base game. I think that because steam is readily available, I think that it is at least up for discussion to say, you know, you like age of steam, you might like strategic steam, you know, it's, it's worth saying that to people. And I think if just saying, Hey, don't even try this advanced version. I don't think that's the right answer. If Steam had the exact same fan support that Age of Steam had, then I would go with you there. But, I mean, the the amount of maps for Age of Steam that make that game so interesting and why there are three architects' cases for paper maps sitting over here on off to the side of Clef's table. Yeah, I mean, if Steam had that support, then yes, I would say, yeah, maybe you want to do advanced, the advanced variant. But honestly... If you're going to dabble in the advanced variant, just play Age of Steam. I, I have to agree with that. I haven't played as much uh, as any of you guys as far as Steam is concerned. But, I mean, I just if I'm going to get that close to it, I just want to play. For me, the best part of any of these games is the shares and when they're issued and the combination of that with the auction and trying to jockey for position and and know how much you have to spend on that and and what you can come up with if you don't get the the power you want. Right. Absolutely. That is the whole game to me. To me. Now, there are a lot of track tile laying nuances and things like that that we pick up on the more we play that can really be some great high level play and stuff like that. But that to me is what hooks me in and makes me want to play the game over and over and over. So what about player count? Because Obviously, this you can play Steam and Age of Steam uh, for sure. I know. Obviously, it has solo, it has two player, it has three player, all the way up to I believe Age of Steam even has a seven player map. Which, oh boy, I don't know if I'd want to go that far, but it does. Where do we kind of feel like player count goes for these games? Do do we like it at a low player count at the two or the three or for railways of the dot dot dot? I would say you can get away with and play with a two-player experience and be okay. Okay. Yeah, the Mexico map is actually pretty good at two-player. And actually, uh, the new Lacerda map, Portugal, uh, can be can be actually pretty pretty good at two-player. I mean, it's awesome and cutthroat at four, but there's room for that in the Railways version. Okay. Now, I can't speak to Steam, but I know that you guys will. You guys have played more maps on Age of Steam, and I'd say that really there's only possibly one. <laughs> map on age of steam that plays good at two but i think that has a lot to do with the auctions that we've talked about too yeah that that is true now i would i would say i have not played a good two-player map period now mexico is good 
but I don't think it's properly balanced. And now, granted, this is after one play, and I shouldn't judge necessarily after one play, but I feel like, well, and Dan, you've had two plays of it, and both of them, the same thing happened where the, where the cartel was just more powerful than the state. You're but, talking the age uh, of steam. I'm Mexico talking the map. age of steam right now. By Alvin VR, because there's a couple so, of Mexico maps. Oh, okay, well. yes, by Alvin VR, the two-player. Uh, so I don't know. Every time I've played two-player, it just lacks what I love about Age of Steam. I think Steam uh, 100% trumps Age of Steam in a two-player. I mean, they literally have maps that are balanced. They work. I've played them. Uh, to me, there's no question about that. Uh, even if you just play on the app, there's a couple two-player options where you can have yeah, a the, really, uh, really good map. Luxembourg? Is that uh, yeah, what it is? Yeah, Luxembourg. that one's really good. I think in Age of Steam, just in general, whenever you have a bidding game, any sort of auction, the more the merrier. You want to have a lot of people involved in it. If I, I found in a lot of the two-player maps for Age of Steam that at least I've read, um, in order to make it work, they have to throw in weird variants or rules or restrictions or right. something that's going to balance it and make it so that one side is asymmetric to the other. And it, it, to me, it's, it's making Age of Steam not Age of Steam because... Having these weird rules is not necessarily what makes Age of Steam good. It's the shares and then the building of the tracks. I mean, that's what Age of Steam is good. So I think I would lead towards Steam just because it feels like they've developed better maps. But I, I can't say I haven't played every two-player map for Age of Steam. Sure, so. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that'd be you'd, you'd be having to play a lot of them, that's for <laughs> sure. Um, now, however, three-player, there are some masterful three-player Age of Steam maps. Uh, Montreal Metro, Pittsburgh. I mean, there are some great three-player maps. Well, and that just goes along with what I said. The the maps were specifically made for that player count. And when they do that, at least not the fan-made ones off the side, but when the actual designers make a map specifically for a player count, yeah, it's absolute perfection. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, to give to give our listeners just kind of an idea, the Pittsburgh map, I believe, you know, because there are still wrinkles in these in these different maps. It's not just the way that they're laid out, but like for example, the Pittsburgh map, it costs what three to lay a curved track and ten dollars to lay a straight track, which is which is insane in in Age of Steam, and it's it's basically prefaced around the idea that that it's where these three rivers are, so you're curving around all the time, but yeah, just little wrinkles that are enough to really change up the gameplay and how you how you play it in little ways. And that's right. what a lot of these maps offer. So, I, I mean, we've all played a lot of Age of Steam. And as probably most people, get, you know, if you really break this down, Age of Steam is the best. Is that, I mean... I mean, Oh, wait, well, oh. Are we doing uh, our final uh, thoughts right <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 all right, hold on, I'm bringing it back. On the topic, though, of Age of Steam, one of the things that makes it so good is the variety of maps and the how you're playing the same game, but you have a few different ver you know varieties. Should we maybe say, what do you think some of the, our favorite maps are? So if somebody was getting into Age of Steam and they were wondering, hey, what would be a good map? What would you, Richie, what, what do you feel like your like top your couple, maybe two or three that you would say are your favorite so far in Age of Steam? Uh, Pittsburgh is great. And honestly, I really enjoyed uh, Detroit Bankruptcy. And not just because Dan went, 
bankrupt hey, in, in turn one. But, Let's talk about that some more. I like that part. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty awesome. But yeah, uh, it's a really cool map because it is. Everyone's going to go bankrupt. That yeah. So and, tell them tell them how that works. I mean, basically, you you start off with five shares, right, and no money. So you have five shares issued, but you have zero cash. Where normally you start with two shares issued, and you actually have that ten dollars sure. with you. So now you're, you're starting with five shares issued, no money, and it is really hard to stay in that game, especially when Chad starts messing with you. But <laughs> Well, and also you have to keep in mind, and we didn't really talk about this in the game if people aren't familiar to Age of Steam, but you have to pay back every round as many shares as you've issued plus the length that your locomotive can go to. So, And then uh, in, in Detroit bankruptcy, you have to pay the the round number you're in, too. Oh, so yeah, the, that's right. The further out you get into the rounds, the more expensive it is just to keep playing. Yeah. So... That was fun. So, because Richie and I were the last two to go bankrupt in the game. Yeah, but Richie was I just pulled it out a little bit better than me. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. So yeah. So no. Pittsburgh was a great three player, and then uh, Detroit, uh, Detroit bankruptcy. bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah. Which I think yeah, probably a four. Ooh, boy. I don't know if you could play that with five. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> That'd be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I think four would be the number. Yeah. So, Chad, what about you? What What are you some of your favorites? Uh, I know Sweden's not at the top of that list. <laughs> I actually, I I was going to say the Pittsburgh map is one that I enjoy as well. I like the Switzerland map too, with the with the mountains on it. Mm -hmm. uh, that yeah. way, um, I I actually did like. I didn't understand how to use it, but I did enjoy the one play we had of the the album Biard human body one where it, it has oh, yeah, the inhalation well. the inhalation and exhalation and so with that the red cities on the map turn to blue during the exhalation and then on the inhalation uh round the blue cities turn to red and so it it, it fluctuates on you so that that's yeah. a really kind of a fun fun yeah. play and now now the, that I the know bladder how, stayed yellow but. yeah the bladder did stay yellow that's <laughs> gross, right gross. <laughs> but yeah that, that was one that i got to play that i really enjoyed among mm -hmm. others all right dan what about you sir what, what well i have uh invested greatly into these maps oh really um yeah i mean you are the sole benefactor of <laughs> oh yes i'm i'm, I'm i've already it. written you into the will so if something happens you get them so. Woo, yeah <laughs> um Ooh, i can see a platform yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> uh early on uh before I even really ventured into the Albin VR maps, which are just so out there and outlandish, uh, there were just some of the base maps that we played, and I actually wasn't too inspired by them. They were just slight variations. I found that as we've started to delve into these maps, the more crazy outlandish rules you get, it's almost more exciting just to even read about them and say, how is this map even possible? For example, I, although I said not Albin VR, his map of the moon, I think, is one of the most mind-bending ones that I have ever played. Um, so it, for the listeners, if you can envision, you're playing on the moon, which is a sphere. And when you build in this game, you actually build, you know, towards the edge of the map, you know, in a 2D style. But you are able to wrap around to the... Uh, opposite corner of where you're building. So if you're building up to the upper right of the map, you can actually extend your track around the moon, so to speak, and come up on the bottom left of the map. That right there is already kind of a mind warp. But then half of the map is considered to be on the dark side of the moon. And then the other side is within the light of the sun. So how that is portrayed is any city that is on the dark side of the moon is considered to be a black city. 
a red city, a purple city, a yellow city, they're all black. So they will only accept black goods. The light side will obviously accept whatever color they are. And then when the round is over, it flips. And now the other side is the dark side of the moon. This It just creates this horrible amount of brain planning that I have really not even fully understood. I mean, we only played it one or two times, but I have no idea even how to play that map at this point. You know, what you just described, though, is the perfect expansion map from the guy who designed Clinic. I mean, you talk about crazy 3D yeah. trying to wrap your mind around things. It's it's a perfect... Yeah, it's, it's, a, perfect it's, a, it's a great map. And it, it's this is uh, probably a continuing thread that we all have, but I haven't played the maps that I love enough because there's just so many uh, different ones. But Clef... Bring it home. Which one do you think is probably one of your top favorites? Uh, 100%. The one that really stands out for me was the Berlin map. Oh, the Berlin Wall. The yes. Ber yeah, the Berlin Wall. Um, now, there was a wall certainly separating East and West Germany. Uh, for those of you who don't know history, it, it there was a point when you know, the Soviets like the, had uh, Yeah, that part was in like the early had, 2000s, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, but So there's a wall there, which is interesting. But what I really liked about the game was when you delivered cubes, if you were on the Eastern part, if you went through a city or went into a city that had a red cube, you had to stop. You couldn't go through that city because basically it was kind of like the Red Army. And so you were not able to continue to deliver a good. You'd have to move that red good off first before you could then deliver a different good. And then the same way on the other side, except for it was like blue goods stopped it up or whatever. Yeah, it was like the Russians or something. Yeah, you know? it was... Vi no, the Russians were on the Eastern. Okay, yeah, it was. Yeah, it yeah. Doesn't really All right. Anyways, <laughs> oh um, boy. The so it was just it was interesting, and sometimes you would have to take like a one link just to get rid of one of those colored cubes, so then you could have a full big delivery with another one. But then, of course, somebody else you might move a red cube out of the way, and then they would be able to grab a cube and yeah. move it. And you'd well, be like, and not ah. to mention that you couldn't even go through the wall unless you did a very special action to remove a chink a, in the wall. A chink so, of the wall. Yeah, yep. you really, you literally had to two or three things that you were trying to balance in that map. Yeah, yeah. that's a great one. Oh, I absolutely loved it. So and then, and then, and all joking aside, one of my favorites was the uh, Sweden map, and I think I really liked the Sweden map. Didn't have anything to do with the time or anything, but I liked the fact that it was very there was there was no luck involved. It was absolute because the moment you had a cube somewhere, you knew that cube would turn into this color and you could you could really plan out. And what I really liked about Sweden, the number one thing was usually late in games, if you've already got your loco up and you're you're not too worried necessarily sometimes about winning the turn order as much. Where in Sweden, you were trying to win the turn order ever. I mean, we were having forty, fifty dollar bids oh for first player in Sweden just because that one. Uh, what was I can't remember. It was like production you could, you action could to take the cubes. Yeah, because those uh, like once. Yeah, once you had turned all the cubes into black, you could take them and they were worth points. Yeah, and that really was was just so more intense later in the game. And I know Chad, you know, jokingly thought it went a little long, and it did. I mean, it took longer than a normal game would take just simply because it wasn't rounds. It was more you have to get rid of all the cubes. But I just liked how it was tense from the beginning to the end. So, yeah, so that was definitely one of my favorites too. Yeah, I think, yeah. Okay, well, guys, I think we've we've talked about this about as much as we, we possibly can, or at least probably people want to listen to us talk about it. I could talk about it all day, but... Uh, so I said, let's just go around and maybe, you know, give a quick 
rating of each one of the games and then obviously i mean i'm pretty sure we'll tell by your rating but why you would prefer to play one or the other type of thing so but before we uh, give our rating we need to uh, give our punch board rating scale and dan tell us the punch board rating scale so here at Punchboard Paradise, we rate on a one to six scale. Uh, that means a six is an all-time great game, possibly a contender for your top ten. A one is a game that has serious flaws and is a game that you should just trash it, burn it, never play it. Hopefully, the our games are going to be somewhere in the middle here. So uh, I think if I had to rate all three, to me, the railways I have that's my fewest amount of plays. That game is getting trashed, not because of its own merit but by comparison there's no reason why that game should exist when these other two are available that's my initial impression so i'm not even gonna give that game a rating i would just say <laughs> don't even attempt it if you have it i'm sorry but i just don't think that that game is good so, so here's, it, it's below a one or you're saying you're not gonna rate it it's I'm not worthy not, of it, it is a, nr it is like a it is like a show on netflix it is not rated okay so don't even i might want to what if what we want to see that game then? if you want to see it just watch the opening first round and if you are enticed by the first round you can keep playing all right let's let's talk about steam so then. okay i do have a soft spot for steam okay so when we first got into age of steam uh i wasn't able to acquire it for some reason there was like none available on the secondhand market so i saw that steam was available i gobbled it up quickly i saw that they had fives expansions they weren't expanding it anymore i said you know what i'm just gonna go full bore i got everything for steam for like 130 dollars and i was happy i had it at the time i played it i never did play the basic version we actually played it not too long ago the basic version i personally do not count that as a reputable way to play that game so i only play steam with the standard or advanced rules, whatever you want to call it. And for what it was, for the maps, for the experience that I had, I did enjoy it. And I am going to keep Steam in my collection, and it's going to be slightly below the pedestal that Age of Steam is on. I do think there is a place for Steam to exist. I think if you're a collector like we are, I think it may not be the right game for you. But I think if you have younger gamers, I think if you want to introduce them to route building and give them the idea with having probably, in my opinion, better aesthetics and maybe better components, I think that Steam is for you. But in my mind, it is pales in comparison to Age of Steam. So I would give Steam a four. And so in that mind, it is an above average game, a game I'm happy to have in my collection, a game I'm happily and willing to play. But with Steam or with Age of Steam being existing in the world, uh, there's no possible way that I can give Age of Steam less than a six. It is a perfect game in my mind. The variation of maps, the decision making on every single aspect of every single turn is by comparison leaps and bounds ahead of everything that I have played. It is the quintessential tile placing game. Uh, the game that I always want to teach the game that has an, in my mind, an endless amount of maps that I don't know if I will ever quench my desire to continue to want to acquire them. I just don't see any negative with this game. And if you call yourself a heavy gamer, a strategic gamer, there is absolutely no reason why you should not try this game. If you make it to the Midwest, seek out the punch borders, seek out myself. 
this is a game that I will be touting for the rest of my career. So it is 100% a six. All right. Very good. Chad, what say you, sir? Well, I still own Railways of Nippon, and I have the Vital map, which I, I like. I own it for the reason of just some of the people I play with. It's um, also designed by, uh, the map was Ian O'Toole, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, Ian O'Toole <laughs> did do the the art for some of that. Yep. It's So that makes it special in that regard. But I would give it a three. It is one that I've kept in my collection. I know we sometimes say that the threes are and below we kind of would sell off. It sits right up there on the precipice, but I have my reasons for keeping the game. It's not going to come out a lot, but I would I would put it at a three. Uh as far as Steam goes, I do not own it. Um, and I just, I, I've played the app. I like the app. I might at some point consider picking it up. Where it sits in these three games means that I give it a four. I could someday see myself possibly getting it just to have the maps, uh, just to fiddle around with, even to play with Age of Steam rules, which you could do. And so, you know, I, like I said, I'll give it a four. As far as Age of Steam, quick and simple, I have a whole host of maps for Age of Steam and intend on getting more. I don't have near the same plays that Clef has of it now, but it was number three on my top 50 of all time last time we recorded our top games, and that makes it an easy six for me. So there's no surprise there. That's uh, six for Age of Steam, four for Steam, and three for Railways system all right very very good richie your turn sir all right uh railways like i said i don't know why you're here um the cards to me are, are not very interesting there is an event deck if i'm gonna play it again it would be the event deck but honestly i don't think i'm gonna play it again i have a copy it's on i think it's being used as a doorstop at the moment so if anybody wants it wow uh, get in contact with me so that is a Thanks. two Wow, for two. me on railways okay. uh, steam um, I own steam I enjoy steam quite a bit like I said it for me it is that streamlined version of age of steam that you play with either casual gamers or uh, people a group that just is very adverse to confrontation and in your face play and possible player elimination uh, the actual track building which I'm in my opinion that's really where you're gonna win the game if you have not built efficiently you haven't built in a way that people have to use your tracks and different things like that you're not gonna win the the game that is still there in Steam uh, as it is in Age of Steam uh, so for me it's it's a tick down from Age of Steam so it, it would come in at a five for me which would make Age of Steam, a six for me. It is I, the maps, one hundred percent push it way over uh, the auction. I, I also like as well, but I mean, honestly, it, it, it truly is the fanfare around the game and the amazing maps that they have created for it that make the game for me something that it, I constantly play over and over again. Okay, Clef. very very good. Bring it home, Clef. Well, I'll start off with uh, with railways, and I, I would pretty much agree with what you guys have said however i will say i think if i was comparing railways and basic steam i would say i'd rather play railways than basic steam because at least railways gives me a different feel and yet still has the simplicity of you know not having to worry about taking out how so many shares you know you can take out or however you want and it has some unique card play i like railways now, that being said, 
I don't like it enough to keep it. I sold it the other day because I just know that it's not a game that's going to get played over, you know, the next game or that I'm going to talk about here in a moment. So I did sell it. But however, I still think it's good. It's a three. It's a solid game. If somebody came to me and said, hey, I'd really like to play Railways, I'm 100% in. I'll still play it with them. Okay. So now on to Steam. And I'm I'm going to break Steam into two games because personally, to me, there is a big difference between the basic version and the standard version, advanced version, whatever you want to call it. The basic version is a piece of crap. I will not play that game ever again. It is worthless. There's no need to play it. It's not it's it's not good. It's just absolutely terrible. Whatever is going on with those tiles and you and you I, whatever that that's just crap. I'm never playing that thing again. That's like a two. And I'm being generous when I give that thing a two because it still is has the word steam in it. So I'm going to give it a two. Now, advanced steam, I think, is actually still a fairly good game. I still enjoy it. I would be interested in playing some of those other maps. Um, I agree with Dan, you know, you get, it's a little bit better with a two as a two player version. So there is some merit to me. So I would actually give advanced stage of steam a four, because I think that's a fairly good game. Um, I may not like the goods growth quite as much just because of how I feel, but I still find it to be strategic and I still like it. And yeah, so I, I'd say a solid four in those, in that circumstance. And now we come to the granddaddy of them all. And of course the original and age of steam. Now, the thing that I love so much about Age of Steam is the very first thing that you have to do in Age of Steam is you have to decide how many shares are you going to take out? How much money do you need that round? You got to decide how much am I willing to bid for turn order? You know, do I want to be first? Is there a certain action I need? Is there a spot I want to build? After you take out those shares, then you've got to bid. You've got to bid for that turn order. And if you win that turn order, what action do you take? If I take a certain locomotive action, or I take this, maybe somebody builds where I need it to build, to, to build. It just has the tension from the very first moment. And I talk about a game, you can lose the game in turn one. Absolutely 100% in Age of Steam. And I don't feel that tension whenever I play either Steam or Railways. And that's what I love so, so much about Age of Steam. I mean, I could list so many other things. I mean, all the maps, all the, the way that people can go bankrupt. I mean, yeah, player elimination is such a cool thing in a Euro-y type of game that you're just not going to experience in most Euro games. So there is so much... This game is by far a six, no doubt about it. This is one of my favorite games of all time, and I have played it literally almost 40 times in the past, what, four or five months, and hope to play it 40 more times in the next four or five months. It's that good. I enjoy it that much. So there you go. There's a, so I went with four ratings there. <laughs> <laughs> So two, three, four, and six, right there. Should so, I cut in so. his first play of Age of Steam? Like you I could do, do that. The- uh, <laughs> you mean the first version where we didn't do the rules right? Sure. <laughs> now, to be fair, I hear from a lot of people, Edward from Heavy Cardboard being one, that a lot of people don't necessarily love their first play of Age of Steam. So that's an interesting thing too. Yeah, uh, I don't think we've experienced that around here. I would say Age of Steam is probably the hottest game, not only just for us, but of other people that we've taught it to. I mean, certainly we, you know, Richie got the bug like boom, 
you know, I mean, when we played a different map and you realized what differences right. could be out there. But that, I mean, that's because you, there are experienced players at the table. If a group went out and someone was interested in Age of Steam and they bought it and they were the ones teaching it and they have zero experience with it and they put it on the table, it is very possible that several people are going to go bankrupt. They may have a bad time with it. Like I could see people's first plays, especially if there's not experienced players at the table to help them and kind of guide them it going south. Right. Which is hard because, yeah. I mean, you know, you got to have a first play sometimes. So right, right, right. it is difficult. But I digress. I think this was a really good overview and, and look at one of one of our favorite games and a great system from, from Wallace and company. Let's do a quick look back at one of our Punchboard previous plays. remember more than a year ago what you gave Keyflow when we first rated this game? Richie, do you recall? Yeah, I, I think I gave it a four if I remember correctly. Okay, all right. Well, would you still give it a four? It's no longer in my collection, so mm. uh, it probably is not going to get that four, and I would say the reason that it dropped for me, and actually, I still, like, if you were going to put Keyflower on the table and Keyflow on the table, and there were five people around or four people around we're playing key flow every sure. time okay. key flower is a two to three player game for me uh, but what really pushed it out of the collection for me is i finally got to play with the expansions for key flower and i and i really enjoyed the merchant expansion yeah so that, the merchants is where it's at with that and it, i mean it does not look like they're going to be supporting key flow with any type of expansion or anything like that so for that reason it, it went out of my collection sure what about you, Clef? Do you remember what you gave it? I, I do. I remember I gave it a solid four, and I said it's a game that is going to be staying in my collection. Cool. What a so, great memory. Yeah. <laughs> do you uh, do you have it here? Uh, no, I sold it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we need to have a... <laughs> We need to have, have a section uh, on this podcast called Clef is a Big Fat Liar. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's one of those, you know, sometimes you're a little more smitten with games when you first play them. You know, they're new and, you know, it was fun. And Like I said, and I, it, I, it's good for large player counts. Right, I would still was, recommend it, it for that reason. It was nice. You know, I do remember a night where we had six players and was able to do it. And I remember at a... Uh, at one of my birthday game days that we did, you know, we had a bunch of people and we played it with a large player count. And that's definitely better than trying to play Keyflower in a large player count, for sure. Absolutely. Trying to um, read all those different tiles right, that everybody right. has and move on them. It's, it's sure, annoying. sure. And not even, you know, and I'm not even going to say compared to Keyflower because that's that's kind of not necessarily fair to it. But it's definitely a game that just as I played it a few times uh, more, it was just like, a, eh, it's okay. And then I really said to myself, am I going to pull this out really anymore? No. So then it was like, uh, I can make a little money off of it. I'm going to get rid of it. So I, I would probably, I think I'd still give it a three. I don't think it's a bad game. Uh, I still think it gives you somewhat of a feel of, of Key Flower. And if you like the Key series, I think it's it's good for that. If you like drafting, like especially simultaneous drafting for big groups, Definitely, that would be a good game for you. But for me, I think I, I'll give it a three. I still think it's a solid game. If somebody put it on the table today. You know, if if I really had nothing else to do, sure, I'd play it. <laughs> After we play Age of Steam, right? Of course. Well, yes, that that's a given, and of any game. <laughs> so I remember that I I gave this a three, and that's that's where I'll stand on it. I don't have a lot of pure simultaneous card drafting games in my collection. 
I don't have a Seven Wonders in my collection, but if I if if I had this and Seven Wonders in my collection, I'd rather play Keyflow to be honest with you. So so that's where that sits. But I I I will play Keyflower more often, and um, so I'm good with my three rating. Dan, have you played this game? I have, and I I honestly think you guys are being too nice. Um, Ooh. I, I mean, here's the thing. I I do remember this game fondly. I remember being shown it and playing it. I played it, I think, two or three times in two different uh, nights. So I I remember thinking, you know, this is interesting. I like the way it does the key flow game. Um, but to me, it wasn't different enough. There wasn't, it felt like I was using some of the same components. The art was the same, you know, the building and trying to get chains and going for end game scoring was the same. And to me, it's kind of like going back to our age of steam and steam thing. Like why would I ever play key flow if key flower exists? I understand the whole, you know, player count is probably a little better with key flow, but to me, I'm at a point where I'm not going to play a subpar game if there is something that is fairly similar that is far superior. So in my mind, I never own this game. I have no desire to own it. If someone wanted to play it, I would probably actively groan and probably stick my tongue out towards it. So in my scale, that's got to be a two. To me, the game is flawed, but only in comparison to its big brother. So I'm just going to pull out and give it a two just because it feels like it's fun. So before we get to the punch punch, are there any key games? Has anyone played a key game here that beats Keyflower? I think I've only played Keyflower and Keyflow. And Keeper. You played Keeper. You played oh. Keeper. Yeah, no, that's what <laughs> you, you, so you memorable. That, yeah, he erased that one. For I the almost side. bought Key Forge. Does that count? No, <laughs> no. no. Uh, All right, I'll take I, that as a no. I haven't played Key Market, but I can pretty solidly say that Key, key to the City, London. Only. I know that's another one that was kind of. I went to the clearance shelf real quick. Yeah, when at, at most stores that I saw, that, that's why I didn't pick it up. It took away the hard route building stuff mm. in it, and yeah. So okay. I think that uh, Keyflower is the best for our group among those games. All right, but what the Punch Punch say? Yeah, let's hear what the Punch Punch had to say. Not a lot of the Punch Punch played this game. Um, some of them seem like they were willing to, but we'll talk to our our man on the street and uh, fellow podcaster Bryce Journey. He said, it's a three on the punchboard scale for me. I learned it at Clef's birthday party last year, enjoyed my play of it, added it to my wish list, but haven't added it to my collection yet. It's easy to identify why the priority to acquire it has been low. On the one hand, like most card games, it re-implementations of successful board games. While a decent game in its own right, it just can't measure up to its Keyflower inspiration. One thing that I thought Keyflow does better than Keyflower deserves mention, though, and that is handle a larger group of players more effectively. Keyflower at 4+, plus is an interminable experience, but Keyflow handles the annoying need to keep an eye on all players' villages by limiting the need to neighboring players instead. That's a big improvement, in my opinion, and why, ultimately, I think it's worth owning both. Keyflower for lower player counts and Keyflow for larger ones. Dan, why don't you read what our punch buncher Evan Scussel had to say? Wow, well, I can already tell that Evan and I have a lot in common. So the first thing he says is two. <laughs> Hate is a strong term, Evan says, but it removes all that's great from Keyflower, the bidding and auctions, and emphasizes the stuff that isn't all that great, like resource generation and conversion. Won't likely play it again if Keyflower is anywhere in a 60-mile radius. There are much better drafting games. He continues to say, 
What I wrote after playing it, quote, let's see, take all the bad parts of Key Flower, including the non-intuitive transport mechanism, the daunting iconography, and the obtuse endgame scoring, and then remove the brilliant auction mechanism that was the heart of the game, and you are left with this shadow of an homage to the clearly superior title. How people are choosing this over Key Flower is beyond me, end quote. Wow, I absolutely agree with what Evan had to say there. Wow. All right. I think I might want to go back and change my rating after this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Evan, you good. are on the ball. Whew. So you heard it there, folks. The, the Punch Bunch doesn't have a real high opinion of the game either if they've played it. But speaking of the wonderful Punch Bunch, we have a brand new patron in our midst. Mr. Nathan Fort, thank you for being a new patron to Punchboard Paradise. Ooh, ooh, all right. All right. We appreciate you. And as, as so, we all... We appreciate all our patrons and listeners alike, and we understand that uh, not all of you can afford to do so, and we appreciate your reviews and your listens and your promotions of the show just the same. And now, on to our feature draft for this episode, the Top Games of 2015. First of all, before we get into doing this lovely draft, you know, Dan did a really, really good job with doing our rating scale, but we got to have Richie do this one. Oh, so Richie, come on, come oh, on tell was, us about it. I was even excited. I was going to throw it to Dan myself. Uh, we'll save that for the next time. Okay. All, right. All, right. All, right. All right. Next time. Huh. <laughs> uh, keep, keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> All right. So on Punchboard Paradise, we like unique lists, so that's why we draft, and we are going to do a serpentine draft which all that means is if you draft last in the first round, you will draft first in the second round. We're going to roll off to see who sets the draft order, and we are drafting the top games of 2015. A pretty stacked year. All right, ready? Oh, oh my dad's one on the floor. Snake eyes. Six. Ooh, six. We got a ten, folks. Ooh, oh. Dan, Loaded you get to dice. set the Loaded draft dice. order. Okay, so, boy, I am already sweating profusely. I am nervous. Um, okay. So is this like Power Grid where you want to go last but not first? Um, okay. It's a pretty stacked year. Just, Honestly, uh, in this year, I was thinking about if I won, going yeah. last. Right. You, okay. Yeah, you okay. get, get the double pick. Let me think about it. Okay, so if I just – let me think about the similarities of going first. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think I will go first because I have some games that are near and dear to my heart, and I want to make sure that I get one of them picked right away because it's very near and dear to my heart. So I will go first. Second is going to not be Clef. Uh, I will go Chad, then Richie, then Clef. So Clef, you can have the turn. Ooh, I'll take it. Yep, you can have the turn. Am I? Can I? I'm gonna write down my guess of what you're gonna pick number one. All right, let me cross that one out. <laughs> no, okay. So, we, as Richie already mentioned, this was like an absolute stacked year. I mean, we went through this. I felt like there was probably 40 or so titles that I could have put on my wanted list there's and almost too many yeah there yeah, is yeah. so i i think that this is going to be some games that we've probably talked about before i know that i've personally talked about before on a podcast i used to be on uh but <laughs> without further ado i will get started the game i want to talk about is probably one of the games that i think get is the most underrated of games that i love to play the most it has a very strong theme, although some people might argue against it. It has amazing mechanisms. It has 
stress-inducing decisions from the very first turn till the very last turn. There is nothing else in my mind as a midweight Euro that compares to it, and that is why my first pick is going to be Shakespeare. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that this was 2015. I mean, th yeah. this year is so stacked that I, I didn't even get to it. This was the one Clef and I had picked for him. Gotcha. Because I, I, and yeah, obviously, I have no doubt this was going to be your number one. Here's the thing with Shakespeare, and I, I think we all consensus can say that this is a very, very good game. Uh, this, to me, is like one of those games, especially if you add in the backstage uh, expansion. There is no aspect of this game to me, at least mechanically, that is weak. I feel like every part of the game that you are kind of balancing and strategizing makes this game amazing in my mind. I, I know the theme is light, and I know that people don't like that there's really nothing Shakespearean about it besides art and names. But I just I love the whole idea. I love the deferring strategies that you can do. Uh, I like the tight victory points that you get in this. I love the auction, the bidding, or excuse me, the bidding mechanism that you do. And as I mentioned, the backstage expansion is an absolute mandatory for this game. To me, this is one of my top games of all time. And I'm happily glad to have this one in my list. So my first pick has got to be Shakespeare. Okay. Can't argue with it. Great game. Great pick, Dan. I still need to play the, the backstage expansion. That is one that I, oh, I did not get a chance to play. You that. have not. Oh, no. it really makes it's the game even for, better. Yeah. yeah, for maximizing it, it, your decisions. And I will say for your first play, even first several plays, there's nothing wrong with the base game because it is a lot to take in. But, uh, yeah, it's a man, it's a mandatory once you get the game down. All right, Chad, you are up for number your first pick. There are so many, so many ones I could go with here. It, this is really tough for me. Um. I think for my first pick, and there are a lot of ways I could go with this, but for my first pick, I, I, I'm going to go with Grand Austria Hotel. This is like my mac and cheese game. This, again, it feels kind of like a variant of, of uh, it feels like a variant of Castles of Burgundy. And I call it my mac and cheese game because it just feels, it feels good. Mm. Like, you know, when you like wiggle around in your seat, good, mm. you know? <laughs> Like while you're playing, you're like, yeah, this is good. It's it's comfort. It's comfort gaming. Like broccoli. Yeah. yeah. No, wait a minute. Oh, wait. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Oh, oh. I do like comparing games of food. <laughs> I, know. I know, right? Maybe I'll maybe we'll do a section <laughs> well, one. Yeah. You a do chart. a pairing of a nice uh, pecan sauce with this. Uh, I don't know. But, or maybe a side of uh, right. liver with your Chianti. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I I eventually want to get the nice. <laughs> I want to get the nice uh, bits with this with this uh, game. I'd love to have like little, you know, uh, cakes and stuff like that. I haven't done that yet, but nonetheless, it's a, it's a really good game for two or three experienced players. Hmm. So you want maybe maybe your next birthday? I'll get you the bits for uh, Grand Austria Hotel. Ooh, hmm, yeah. Uh, when's your when's your birthday? Uh. Today, actually. Oh, too late. You don't need to do that expedited shipping. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, Richie, what do you got? All right, so for my first pick, this game I originally rated a four. Chad taught us at his birthday game day, I believe. Yeah, I originally rated a four. It has come up. I bought a $100 expansion for wow. it, and that is Food Chain Magnate. I love oh, that. I love that there oh. are all these games that you guys talk about. Originally, I played it with Chad. We, we might be able to have a draft just around that. We could have a draft <laughs> on games that Chad taught bad that we then realized were good. Wow. Yeah. 
and, and no, Chad did not teach it that bad or anything like that. But but I have actually had a chance to play it because now I can play it online at board game course. I've been able to play the base game several times now, and I actually understand it. And it, it that's a splatter game that is mean in your face. I understand why maybe the first time I did not like it all that much, but after more and more plays and being able to pick up the expansion, which I still need to play. Right. Uh, but I love the modules that are in there. I love what's what's going on there. So uh, for me, that's going to be my first pick, and that's Food Chain Magnate. That's a, it's a good one. I mean, I think anytime you play your, a splatter the first time, it's going to be a little bit daunting. It's tough, yeah. You know, yeah, it, it takes it's, a few plays. It's not even just the mechanisms, although usually in a splatter game, there's like one mechanism that you're kind of not sure on how it works. Right, yeah. Like it's the restaurant delivery, I think, in that one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then it's the hubbing sometimes in Great Zimbabwe. You know, it's there's usually sure. one mechanism like that. But, uh, Richie, that was a great pick because I, I'll say that that was – one of the two that I was vacillating on. For yeah, I thought one. you would actually take that as your first one. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Hmm. All right, well. All right, Clough. What do you got? All right, back I got, to back. I got ready for the swing here. Well, well, I tell you this. If if I want Ben Coberly's vote, all I'd have to do is choose Gold West for one of my choices. That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, not going to happen. All right. Oh. Um, <laughs> love you, Ben. All right. Uh, so for my first pick, I am definitely going to go with what I kind of thought Richie would take as his first pick, and that is my second favorite Alexander Fister game, uh, which is still an amazing game, and that is Mombasa. I love the you know the tightness in the worker placement. I love the card play on how you know kind of the cat and mouse. Well, maybe if I go cotton here, you know, well, what if somebody else goes cotton? Because it's so important to try to get those max things so that you can move up those tracks. Uh, you just you know uh, even even the books every once in a while when I try them. I mean, I lose when I try to use the books, but I, I still enjoy the aspect of everything about that game. Uh, still a top game for me. And so that's my first pick is going to be Mombasa. I was hoping it would still be there because there's so many games. I was just hoping you would go elsewhere. Yeah, I'm right, instead of pick Mombasa, a different one. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. yeah, it didn't happen. All right. Uh, my number two, I'm going to go with a uh, game that actually uh, just talked about the other day on our Slack channel. And in fact, if you're not on our Slack channel, you can email us and get on the Slack channel to hear great discussions like this. But Evan had a fun little question that said, what is a game that's past the in past 2000 in uh, Board Game Geek's rating system that would be in your top 50? And I really only came up with one of them. And I, is this this might be a little bit because I'm going with Lignum here uh, mm. because obviously it was I think it was released before but this would have been capstone technically but release if, if bgg says 2015 yeah, it says 2015 I, I think i'd say it's good that's that's what i'm going after um if you haven't had a chance to play lignum it is a great uh game of where you kind of move along the track to grab things but you can't ever go backwards so you might want to jump up really far to grab a certain something but then you might leave other really good things behind for your opponents to grab. So it's a really just interesting mechanism of trying to figure out how far do you want to jump to do that. And then there's a whole like trying to which area you're going to go down and cut the forest and a real cool aspect of moving these logs down the river or, you know, carrying them. And there's just different ways. And you're basically getting in a lot of wood. And it's the biggest part of the game that's so fascinating is these you have these uh, planning cards. And when you take these planning cards, you really have to make sure you do it right because it's not something you use immediately. You're going to plan for the future to use these cards. 
and they're really good, strong abilities. But they're really, it's like when I teach people, it's almost like a you're just going to have to ignore this almost the first game because it's everything else takes so much time or so much effort that that's like a secondary thing. And I just find that just part just really, really fascinating and interesting. So for my number two pick, I'm going to take, uh, you know, a game that obviously not a lot of people love since it's way out there in the 2000s, but I think it's a great game, and that is Lignum. All right, good. All right, Richie, back to you for your second pick. All right, my second pick, I'm just going to pick it up, uh, even though I may be safe. It may come back to me, but I love the game so much. It's a game that I play that I'm I'm, I'm actively trying to coach Clef on how to beat me in this game. Because <laughs> Hey, I'm not doing too bad right now. You're not now. doing bad. You I, will come in second in that game. I am and definitely you, coming you, in you're, second. You're doing way better than you have. We'll come closer to you than I have in a long time. Yes, that, this is true. And that is Nippon, uh, my favorite What's Your Game game. And... Yeah, I mean, I've talked about this a lot in the past. I just love the the action selection along with the uh, different meeple colors and all those different things. But like I said, I've talked about this way too much. So Nippon for my second pick. Uh, great one. All right. All right, my second pick. This is quick and easy. I'm sorry that I've mentioned it a lot, but I can't not put it on this list. It is maybe the best example of variable player powers, and that's Voyages of Marco Polo. Uh, I will play Barco Polo 2. We have talked about it amongst each other, but I'm just going to say that I'm not nearly as interested because I like how hard it is to travel in this initial version. Voyages of Marco Polo is an easy number two on my list. That's it. No matter what, I would still probably pick up Marco Polo 2 just because I want the, the player powers yeah. that you can move over to the first no, one. We, we, we've ordered it, right? Yep, yep. Dan, what do you got? Okay, so... Uh... I'm now sweating profusely. I can see the Whoa. intensity of this is Whoa. like really getting to me. Even though it's 68 degrees in this house right now? Yeah, it's it's still. It needs to be set cooler. It's it's ridiculous in here. Dan I'll pop it, it down to 65. It's all good. It is kind of moist right now. Yeah, so. I'm a little moist. Okay, so here's the thing. Looking at the 2015 list, there were a lot of games. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the game Jurassic Attack. No. Crickets, <laughs> you bet your ass I did. It is a game that... Uh, I actually don't know anything about. I just wanted to say Jurassic Attack. Um, I'm assuming it has to do with the Jurassic period, but I don't actually know. That is not my pick. My pick is something else. So I'm going to pick this game, but I'm going to be conflicted when I pick it because this is a love-hate relationship that I've had with this game. The game is Mind Clashes, the very first game that they ever put out. And when this game came out, I was enthralled by the theme. I was overwhelmed by the depth of the game, but I wanted it so bad. And the game is Tricarion Legends of Illusion. Ooh. Now, for those who are unaware of this game, this is a highly, highly complex strategy game. You are effectively trying to put on a performance and do a million different things at the same time. I have played this game full bore with every single thing that comes with this game. I have played it just by itself. I don't even know if I like this game. Um, but there, there's something about when I play this game, there are moments of just pure ecstasy of making my strategy try to perfect symmetry of what I'm trying to do. I, I, I suck at the game, but I think that not being good at it is actually what's making me want to play it more. I want to be successful at it. I see that there is a good strategy that can be implemented, and I love the interaction. I just, something about this game, maybe it's the components, maybe it's the theme, and maybe it's just the overwhelming strategy and complexity, but this game is a game that I will have forever. I love it. 
I think. Uh, but it's it's got to be it's got to be a pick because to me this is a game that I will just tout for the rest of my life as a game that I love to show people and to me that's one of the most important things about my collection is showing it to other people so my second pick is going to be Tricarion Legends of Illusion this is one of those games that I've I've come really close to buying it even though I don't like it just because <laughs> I like Two the theme that don't like it I like the theme I like the board I love the art I I. Like yeah, like you said, I it's one that like I would just pull it out sometimes and just show it to people, yeah. and then put it away and let's play something else. It is a really complicated game for most people. I mean, in the feelings you have about it, because you just you just love it and then you don't like it at all, and then I don't know. It it, it brings out every emotion for me. I mean. I'll sit down and I'll play it and I'll be like, oh, I really like this. And then the next minute I'll be like, I'm hating this. And then I'll be like, oh, I'm really liking this. Oh, I'm hating this. I get done and the and Dan will be like, well, did you like it? I'll be, I don't know. I just don't know. Someday I want to do a YouTube review for this that's just a montage of feelings for like three minutes. Just random colors. Yeah. <laughs> some blue, then some red, then some right. black. And then yeah. some weeping and some French music. Yeah. So, well, good pick with All right. for your you, number two, right? Number two, yeah. But back to you, Dan, for your number three. Okay, so I have a couple options of where I can go here. I, there are some tried and true games that I could pick. There are some ones that that I feel are solid picks. Um, in fact, if uh, we have some listeners who can go back, there are some deep cuts where I have been involved in prior drafts, um, and there are some games on this list that I have used on a prior draft. So I'm actually going to steer away from that right now. The game that I'm going to pick is a game that has a theme that is usually not associated with board games. In fact, most board gamers would steer clear of this type of theme. And that theme is sports. The game that I'm going to pick is Baseball Highlights 2045. Wow, nice, nice, nice. Ah. Now, this was a game that I had used as a no game left behind. This game has not gotten the justification that I think it deserves. It is truly a card-driven game. Uh, I don't even like to say deck building. Um, effectively, it's a two-player game where you are playing ultimately war with your opponent where you're playing a card and then they're trying to trump that by playing their own card and you go back and forth it simulates the highlights of a baseball game so if you are familiar with baseball terms like picking off a runner or runners in scoring position or a bunt or you know any sort of any sort of uh words that are associated with baseball you find that in this game what I really love about it, though, is that the game plays so fast and it builds to a crescendo. So you have this mechanism where you play a card and the other person plays a card and that will simulate a hit. So you're actually placing little tokens on your little player board to simulate that they're run. But then as the game goes, you only play six cards per game and that will be the end of one game. But what makes the game great is making the game a series and it allows you to evolve your deck. You're actually making your team better. You're getting new players. You're drafting who you want to get. You're evolving your deck, and it creates a different play experience every time I play it. I found that early on when I teach this game to people, they enjoy it, but they don't necessarily see how good it can become. It's through repeated plays where people start saying, oh, I see how you could you know, switch your hitting style or play defensively or go for a certain aspect of the game. And that's where I see the longevity in this game. I mean, there's a million expansions. I think that this game has life in it and it fits a perfect niche on my shelf. 
opposite of our heavy, long strategic games. It creates that baseball feel and that heightened energy that I get. There are very few games that I have where at the very end of the game, you get stand-up moments. You know, I think of like dice throwing games at the very, very end. This game has that. I've had multiple games that have literally come down to a card flip that have either scored a home run or picked off a runner that have really been almost stand-up cheer moments. And I think it's important that we have these type of games that really elicit these type of feelings. It's fun to have these Euros and count up your wheat and you know sell all of your shares and do all this fun stuff. But every once in a while, you need a game that is going to be rooting and tooting and you, you know, you have fun standing up and you're throwing popcorn and you're yelling and you're having fun playing baseball. So there's no reason why this game shouldn't be played if not owned by everybody who is calls himself a gamer. So my number three pick is Baseball Highlights 2045. Shouldn't we be throwing Cracker Jacks, not popcorn? Uh, actually, to social distance, I would prefer if you didn't throw anything. Oh, good good call. Good, good call. Yep. All right. Well, my number three, we're coming down to the wire. It's really hard to whittle some of these down to four picks, but I have to go. I have to go with my heart on this one. I have to go with a, a, the one Lacerda game that it went out, came out this year, and that is the Gallers. I don't, I, I don't approve of this. I don't even think he really likes the Gallers. <laughs> I no, do like I, the Gallers. No, we love the Gallers. We love the Gallers. And he's, I kind of like it. Yeah. He kind of likes it. <laughs> yeah. No. I know Chad doesn't really like the Gallers I, all I that much. I call this a veto. I yeah. know. No, yep. you cannot veto. You have no veto. And here is the thing. Just because it's not the highest on my list does not mean I don't like it. It's it's not my favorite Lacerda by any means. Your top three. But it is a Lacerda. <laughs> in your top three of 2015. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So I'm going to pick Vital Lacerda as the gallerist, Richie and Clef be damned. Wow. Mm. He just be damned us, Richie. <laughs> that's a little extreme. All right. <laughs> Well, that really threw a wrench in my list here. That, that was so. my next pick. Yeah, it was going to um, be my next one, too. So, hmm. Well, I'll go, you know, I'll bring up a, a nice memory of Chad here <laughs> with my, with my third pick. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked about this a lot, but I can't take the galleries now, so I got to take this. And that's going to be Matai and I. Yeah. It's the, the one game that uh, I play with Chad all the time or that, when we can. That was the game that we played where you... Broke your knee in half. Yeah. I'm oh, yeah, that's right. I'm surprised that game would have wow. fun. Honestly, SD with that game. Know, right? <laughs> it got me eight weeks off of work paid, and it wasn't that bad. I just had to learn how to walk again, and I did it. <laughs> that's all? But eight weeks paid time off, and I came over as many times as yeah, I could. Yeah, I've got a board lot game, of so, gaming yeah. in that I, summer. I don't yeah. even remember if we talked about this on the podcast, but, I mean, my wife tried to sign all three of us up for The Floor is Lava on Netflix. Oh. <laughs> no, it, 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 I don't think that's going to happen. It's a Netflix show where Knox people... Knox is obsessed with that yeah, show now. He, and... He's breaking stuff in the house because he's like trying to set up <laughs> things to walk around on. and Right. Well, my wife's like, you can wear your you can wear your punch board shirts, and it would be like really great for the podcast because you have to get on a team and like swing across stuff okay. and jump on tables. Yeah. And there's lava. And I go, I go, honey, that is not a good idea. I I could not do that. I was like, yeah, there's a lot of six foot jumps in. Richie walked down our stairs and broke his knee, <laughs> and Clef is Clef. That, that is not a good idea. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Hey, I'm just teasing. I can't all catch right. a frisbee, so there you go. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> no, but that's a good pick, Richie. All right, that's my third pick, Matai and I. All right, well, I got I got the whatever I want now. Whew, I tell you, 2015, loaded. I mean, loaded. So you got the question is, 
do you play to win the draft or do you play for maybe some obscure games? Well, anytime I've ever played for the obscure game, I lose pretty badly, right? So maybe I just go for the for the jugular right here and I'm going to go with my my third pick for 2015 is a very fun but light auction game and that is Stockpile. You just uh, poo-pooed Jordan whoa, whoa. last episode when when his when he mentioned that it, it, you were like, ah, yeah, I don't me, like this game. Whoa, I don't me and Chad are the only yeah, ones that we defended it. Up I'm pretty whoa. sure you said you wouldn't even play it. Yeah, whoa. exactly. Whoa, whoa, if you listen to that episode. Hey, I'm just trying to win, all right? <laughs> all right well. No, I, Stockpile has a, something that most of my games do not have, and that is I can get relatively new gamers into being able to play it and actually enjoy it i mean you know it's it's simple enough that they can understand it and yet it's still fun enough for me to enjoy the game and i think that's what really stands out for it and i think it really is one of the first games that ever got me into an auction type of system like that and a you know kind of understanding a stock market type of uh of of a game and so yes maybe it's a little bit on the lighter scale for me now but i still think this is one of the best games of 2015 mm, so that's worse than me picking the game yeah, yeah. dan can can you just no, for me? i completely disagree with that well, hey. <laughs> well i don't care i'm going stockpile all right that's all there is to it and for my last one i'm going back nice good old-fashioned medium euro type of game here and this was actually the first game that i played from capstone games and that is Hashbill Connect. I still love this game a lot. It has certainly kind of dropped down a little bit since I have found other, you know, well, capstone games that I like better or just other, you know, some more heavier type of Euro-y type of games. But I still think Hashbill Connect is a, is a really fun game. I still enjoy the picking of the discs and then trying to figure out if you want to, you know, start to go after the coal strategy or if you want to try to do the building strategy. Um, I would definitely say I'm only talking about this game with the expansion. I don't even actually consider it an expansion. I just consider it the game. And that's how I would only ever teach it is that way. But still love this game a lot. Think it's a great game. And I, I still have it in my collection and enjoy it. And that's going to be Hashbill Connect for my last pick. Is that one okay with everybody there? That, that one's fine. That yeah. makes a little bit I more think sense. That's still okay. on your shelf, yeah. right? So it's still on my okay, shelf. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so just I'm, checking, not, I'm definitely not getting rid of that one. No, uh, it's there. That one's that wasn't a flip flop. That's right. Yeah, so, the yeah. solid pick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, All right Richie, Richie, give us a better example. <clears throat> hey. <laughs> All right, so for my fourth pick, I'm going to go with a game that I know I've played with you guys at least once. It's one of those games that. It's collecting dust on the shelf, but I want to get it back out. I love the theme, and I love the trading in the game, and that's Ponzi Scheme. So it's a, a game where you are running a Ponzi Scheme where you're trying to take in as much money as you can to pay off all the other loans that you have. And what I love in the game is the actual trading portion of it where you put the money into the, the, the nice wallet, you hand it to the person offering for one of their uh, industry tiles, which are points at the end of the game, and they can take it and put the money in their pockets or they can match your your money and hand it back to you. Uh, but I like that that information is secret. So not all the table is getting all the information. And sometimes someone will hand you the, the wallet and the amount of money that's in there, you're like, you, you have no clue what you're doing, but I'll take it because they've given you way too much money sure. and there's no way that they're going to be able to pay off 
all their loans at the end of the the round and they'll go bankrupt. But uh, it's a fun game. Uh, it's it's actually fairly light for what it is. Uh, for I mean, when you look at it, it looks like it's going to be a little bit heavier than what it is. But it, yeah. it's fairly like almost fall into that like gamers party game type feel to it. Yeah, but, uh, like a modern art almost. I feel like yeah, you know, exactly. Just, yeah, 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 right. I, definitely a game I would like to get back to the table because we only did yeah. get that one play and it's been a while. So I'd I'd like to get that one played again that's like a kind of a version of detroit bankruptcy actually yeah we can get dan in on that <laughs> uh so what were your orders for dairy queen you said you wanted i'll just mint get that while <laughs> oreo <laughs> blizzard okay Ooh, i'll take a reese's peanut butter cup oh one uh, sorry we'll, and uh anyway. and, Only brent, one order. and brent will have whatever i'm having <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> yes he will sorry inside joke all, all right. right so ponzi scheme ponzi scheme for my last pick well with my last pick i'm gonna go with a filler actually it's a darn good filler in any year but it's one of the tops in 2015, and that is Arboretum. This is a really great card game. It is a game for people that it's kind of a gateway plus. The scoring is a little bit non-intuitive, but I think you can get people who are into card games, like we're talking you know, just regular card games. This is, if they're comfortable with Ticket to Ride and some of those other ones, you can teach them slowly this as a next step there's some non-intuitive stuff but i just sent this to my in-laws and they've played a few games that i've sent them including jaipur and some others and they said "Woo, this is meaty but we love it we love it and they are all in on it and it is it's great and it plays good from two to four i i just really like i really like arboretum and the uh back and forth nature of of this game I don't know about Gateway Plus. That game is. I I was just about to say, every time I play this game, the first game, no one knows what's going on. And then as soon as you score it, the light bulb goes on, and everyone's like, I think I get it. Let's play it. Right. But fortunately, it's short enough that you can do that again. I don't think it matters. I almost don't think it matters where you're at in gaming. You know, Mm -hmm. you're going to have that same experience. But I just feel like card players. You know, people who love to play cards, this is a good game for them. So, yeah, yeah that's Very my good. last yeah, pick. All right. Round us off. Sir All right. Dan. So this game that I'm going to pick, my last game, uh, is a point of contention in this gaming group, specifically with Clef. Surprise. Yeah, well, surprise, surprise. So <laughs> this game is by a very well-known designer, and um, it is pretty highly regarded However, this is going down as the only game in my entire life that I have rage quit. <laughs> and the reason why I rage quit it is because of that man right there, Mr. Clay Hayworth. Uh, was he pouting? That is very true. No, okay. I, was, I, was, I was not being a very good sport. Okay, so the game that I'm picking is Alexander Fister's Broom Service. Mm-hmm. A fun game. Yeah, I like that game. Now, I will say, I'll I'll get to the rage quit here in a second. So, Broom Service has one of the most amazing mechanisms. It's been implemented in other versions, but effectively what you're doing is you are picking a card to play out of your hand, and you are going to play the card, and it has two potential actions. You can do the weaker, lesser action, which will guarantee you the result of the card in a lesser form. Or, if you want, I think it's the cowardly is what they call it, or you can do the higher, more rewarding, the brave action of the card. And here is where the catch is. Once you've played that card and declared that you want to do the brave action, everybody else who has that same card in their hand must play the card. 
And if they choose to do the brave action, they trump you and you get nothing. So there is this whole bluffing, anticipation, determination of what people are doing. I mean, effectively what you're doing is you're moving around the map trying to deliver potions to certain locations. You're trying to get points and do all this fairy stuff. The theme doesn't matter because the mechanisms absolutely drive this game. But I will say, Clef had played this game one time, was undecided on it. I apparently wooed him and was able to get him to play it again. <laughs> again. <Yep>. Again. <laughs> and we played it. We were playing a four-player game. And from the get-go, old curmudgeon over there was had his thumb just sticking out into his mouth saying, <laughs> I'm not going to play this game. I'm not going to try. And I persisted. I mean, I'm a teacher of a game. I encounter a lot of different people who say, oh, this game isn't for me. I'm going to try it. I don't get it. It's not for me. Blah, blah, blah. Clef was the worst student I've ever had teaching any game of my life. So he was literally not trying, saying he didn't care, very apathetic. And it got to a point. In fact, some of the other players were so evident of Clef's dislike of the game that they even were talking to me like, Dan, we should we should quit this game. Clef doesn't like it. We should just let's just end it. I said, no, no, I want to keep going. <laughs> Clef can do it. We did it. And it was about to be my turn. And I kind of just peered out of the corner of my eye and I looked up at Clef and Clef literally looked like he was going to fall asleep, but in the most angry way possible. (laughs) And the blood started to curdle in me. The vomit and the bile rose up my throat. And I literally took my cards and I threw my cards up in the air and I said, I'm done. (laughs) And I rage quit the game. And that is why I picked it as my number one game. <laughs> that sounds like a really? replay of Thunderstone Quest. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to say for yourself? Every, every part of that was true. <laughs> <laughs> no, Broom Service is a fun game. Clef, you know, is, I, is, he's wrong on it. it I, I agree. I think early in the game, a couple things went bad for me. And it just, it was frustrating. And I just was not enjoying it. And I have since apologized multiple times. He did. He did. Because it's not, I do not like it when other people get all pissy and whiny during games. And I, I apologize. It, you it, know, was, it was not a good moment for me. I will say in Clef's defense, <laughs> the good thing about all that is that you never are confused as to where, where Clef stands on a game. No, oh, you, yeah, not you know. never. I will probably bring that game back, I don't know, like maybe four or five more times. But yeah, there you go. The <laughs> maybe we'll bust out Steam. He only scored eight points in Steam. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, kinda... <laughs> no, yeah, I quit that game for a whole other reason. Uh, anyways. <laughs> okay, well, there we go. So I will do a little recap here. Dan went with Shakespeare, Tricarion, Baseball Highlights 2045, and Broom Service. Chad went with Grand Austria Hotel, The Voyages of Marco Polo, The Gallerist, and Arboretum. And then Richie went with Food Chain Magnate, Napon, Motainai, and Ponzi Scheme. And finally, I went with Mumbasa, Lignum, Haspel Connect, and Stockpile. Seems like there's a pretty clear winner in that list there. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. I, I agree. think I think Chad's going to destroy us all. <laughs> all right. Well, just keep in mind that you can all vote 
on the guild punch bunch on guild 3227 on board game geek and we'll have a poll up there and uh the loser will get to say something preposterous as decided on by the others what if what if dan loses and he's just not on the next podcast i'm yeah. usually i'm usually in this or you can just, he's he's fired, just vote so. dan off the podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh Ooh, do we have that option <laughs> how, how do you create bgg accounts Let me that out first. maybe we should we should do a poll do people want Dan on the podcast or off the podcast? I think that'd be all fun. Right, all right, all right. <laughs> like all right, a uh, Survivor podcast. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Wait a minute. What if we did that for us? Babe? No, never not. Oh, Let's not do that. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get voted off. <laughs> well, just really quick because it's getting late, but does anybody have any games? Because there were so many on this list. Does anybody have any games from 2015, like even just throw out, throwing out one that you haven't played that you really would like to play? Do you have any of those? I don't know if I have any that I hadn't I, I played. I will say, I feel like we all probably could have picked code names. I, I mean, the way code names sure. had shaped yep. the party genre, even if yep. it's not really a party game, I almost was conflicted not picking it because it literally is a perfect style game for what it does. Right. It yeah. does what it does really I, well. I had that down. I thought about that too. Um, Seven Wonders Duel. I mean, I really all think right. that as yep. far as an implementation that took it to a two-player is a great game. I mean, that's a, definitely another one I had on my list. So, Richie, did you have any that either you... Oh, uh, one that I have not played that I would like to track down a copy. I think Michelle has it, and it's Forbidden Stars. I, oh, I do yeah, want to try that out. Game right she there. does. I really should ask her to borrow that so I can take it out of the shrink wrap and uh, learn how to play <laughs> there it. You go. I would like to play that game, too. One that I would like to play, especially for the three of us, because it is specifically a three-player game, if we can suck or clef into it, is Churchill by Mark Oh, Herman. yeah, I do want to try that as well. I really want to play that game. Hey, hey Dan's here. Dan, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Me in. Out. I am in. Yeah. I was going to say, what's the confusion? I already know the three people. Yeah. No, I will actually say, now that you mention it, there is a game that you and I have talked about called Leaving Earth. That game came out in 2015. Very unknown, very not really hit the mainstream, but it's kind of gotten some pub recently. I know some podcasts have talked about it. It's a space race. A uh, very mathy game where you are attempting to achieve certain parameters like getting a man on the moon or doing a flyby of Mars and avoiding radiation and not incapacitating your astronauts. That was a game that I own. I've never actually played. I just recently acquired it. But I think that might be a game, as I talked about wanting to get these more heavy strategic games, that might be a game that could creep up on my top 50 hmm. list absolutely yeah that i mean i i own it too and it looks like it's just interesting when multiplayer it's almost like how quick do you want to do your calculations against another people an another person in risk yeah you know pushing forward and trying to a lot of people have that game and have never played it right. i think that's <laughs> I, it's still a testament to the game right for buying a mm -hmm. game without ever playing it i think that that just really mm -hmm. speaks quality to that game yeah mm -hmm. yeah and we can't not mention i might Cannot cut this in not if mention. i if i still have the the sound clip from ben maddox but that one with the wooden bowls the wooden, the bowl, wooden game. bowl game yeah. you can't, right. cannot miss out Mogul. on the wooden bowl Mogul. game i'm surprised that uh viticulture essential edition doesn't get counted i know the original came out like a year or two before that but the essential edition to me is the definitive edition so well, i almost count that as a see, different game to me it's not if it had the board in there then it would be the yeah that's definitive why. edition i just i just do the original publisher published version of the game yeah I, I go off of that date but also i yeah my what i play with every time is not all in that box well a good year nonetheless from 2015 good year great year yes a very good year and a great year punch punch 
Thanks for hanging with us through this uh, lengthy episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Take care of yourselves and each other. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful night. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. Punchboard Paradise would like to thank our loyal listeners as well as the publishers and designers that have provided review copies. You can find us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Punchboarders. We are on Instagram at Punchboard Paradise and Facebook at Punchboard Paradise. Now, the the dark side of the moon, did it take pink cubes? Pink Floyd cubes? No. Uh, you can, can, you, yeah, can you put you crickets can in there? That yeah. would just be at the end of the episode. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> the Work longer than that. What are you boys a-gawping and a-giggling? <gasps> did another pigeon get in the boardroom? <laughs>